Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Caleb Boucher. And today is a big one. The most anticipated movie of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home. Be warned, today's episode is spoiler heavy. We're going to dig into every bit of the movie. So stop here if you haven't seen the movie yet. It's not our fault. If you're going to click on a podcast that says Spider-Man No Way Home and it's like two and a half hours long, you got to know we're going to spoil this shit. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do. Sorry, I'm seeing if there's any update on the box office because this movie's making fucking money. Um, which, in case anyone's wondering, $587 million as it stands right now. Um, Fuck! I haven't seen those numbers in a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to this episode. For the love of God, be like the four of us, because I know all four of us on Filmgasm have seen it. Avoid yes. the spoilers. Go see it. Enjoy what this film provides you, because trust me, it's fan servicing the best fucking way possible. Um, and then come back and listen, and basically hear us gush, because I look, I, I'll say this much. If you hate this film, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, like what, what are you after? Like, what witch did you piss off that sucked the fun out of your soul? Because <laughs> go on a quest, get it back. You deserve to be like to get this movie. It's yeah, look, it's beautiful. Yeah, straight looks hint as to how I feel as this episode progresses. It I was at first saying it's one of my favorite MCU films. This is my favorite MCU film. 100 percent It as much as I loved Endgame, it beat Endgame for me. I Just think that the, was impossible. Endgame was amazing. Endgame was revolutionary, but the, what this fucking movie accomplished, the level of cooperation involved, the many cogs that it's just one broke the whole thing collapsed. Like I we'll get to, we'll get to it, but Christ, I think things are different now. Like the possibilities for movies going forward are going to be different things. Anything's on the table now. And I didn't think that was possible. Kevin Feige is a fucking genius. I know I've said that every time an MCU film has come out, but this time seriously, yeah, and look, I'll, look, it's been kind of, to me, a rocky year with MCU films. Like, I like Black Widow, but like I've said a thousand times, should have come out sooner. Um, I did really like Shang-Chi. I'm not going to say anything bad about Shang-Chi. I love Shang-Chi. But personally, I was really fucking bored by Eternals. I thought that was a misstep for me. For me, at least, it was a misstep for Marvel. But god damn, if they weren't saving the best for last, like, holy fuck. Not just the not in just in terms of quality, but in fan response and in box office, like this thing is rejuvenating so much. I I'm so so excited to really get to talk about this. I've had I've been keeping this inside for for a few days now in anticipation of this episode. It was so hard not to gush on Oscar Sunday. I I worked very hard not texting you, so I was texting everyone else that had seen it. about it ever like i posted on facebook i don't know if it's on my facebook post just about like how like my feelings in general about this movie like what mom put off and like how it made me feel like my cousin josie had commented on it and she was like oh my god did you see it the dice forgot and i replied i was like hey message me in private because i won't put anything on facebook and not five minutes later i get a fucking message from her going did they freak out this part 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, they did. And we ended up having like a whole conversation about like all the different spoilers that we'll get into ourselves about the movie. Like that night when I got back. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. Uh, let's just say this to going forward. I'm Michigan, I should point out. So it was like <laughs> states away from my cousin. We're just fucking both gushing about it. To start, I want to say this. I am very glad I decided to marathon the entire franchise. <laughs> All right. So, in addition to Spider-Man, uh, Caleb will say a little bit about Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, and I'll say a bit about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Uh, was not able to get to Nightmare Alley, regrettably, but I am going to see it, and I'll hopefully be able to talk a little bit about it next week. Uh, we'll be finishing with a mutual ranking of the entire Spider-Man franchise, the Raimi trilogy, Mark Webb films, the MCU trilogy, and Into the Spider-Verse. Worst to best, in our opinions. And worst is, you know, a loose worst. Uh, but first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. We've got five trailers to talk about first. Uh, first up, the unbearable weight of massive talent. The long-awaited super meta action comedy starring Nicolas Cage as a fictional version of himself who's down on his luck and hard up for money. So not, not that fictional, uh, but still, you know, a little crazy. Film hits theaters on April 22nd after getting delayed. It was supposed to come out this year, and I'm glad we're finally... I was starting to think this movie wasn't going to happen, and we finally got a trailer, and this looks outrageous as fuck. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Look, I, I'm, I've been in for Nicholas Cage when it's come out. Um, it just it just feels like finally, you know, like it seemed like the small niche crowd of Nick Cage obsessives like us four and, and whoever else is out there got what we loved about Nick Cage. It's almost like the rest of the fucking movie industry and boards catching up to that. And that's how I felt when I watched that trailer. I'm like, okay, it seems like finally people are kind of catching up to just how awesome he is. And even he's willing to play with his own, and the fact that he's willing to play with his own persona like that and completely make fun of himself kind of shows you to me, like, not just kind of actor he is, but kind of person he is. Like, because he could have been like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, fuck off. But he's like, no, I'm willing, willing to make fun of myself and my career and like my persona, if you will. And it just looks like a whole lot of fun. I can't fucking wait for this movie. <laughs> I love the bit where he sees the, the wax likeness and he's like it's grotesque i'll give you twenty thousand for it <laughs> that's exactly what nick cage would do i like it's, when he's like climbing over the wall and he just randomly screams <laughs> ah, i'll come back for you and he just there's gonna be a lot of random screams oh this is yeah this is gonna be the, the most nick cage movie ever uh and just what a great title, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. <laughs> oh, God, this is, yeah, this is going to be the highlight, one of the highlights of 2022. I, I just know it. Yeah, it, it really, like, I think it's, to me, it feels like, with like starting with Pig, we're seeing a new level to the, this Nick Cage career of, like, him doing a lot of indie stuff, where he's doing even almost, like, still indie, but bigger indie stuff that's actually getting even more attention which is nice. Yeah. I'm glad he's, you know, after a, a long time of just taking everything he could get, we're now finally back to choosy cage. Who's picking projects based on merit again. And that's just, that's great. 
we're getting some great films because of that. Um, next up, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. Guy Ritchie's new action comedy starring Jason Statham, Hugh Grant, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, Carrie Elwes, and Bugsy Malone. Hits theaters March 18th. And I, I this looks cute. I don't care for the title. We don't need the Ruse de Guerre. Operation Fortune, that's enough. We were talking before we started recording that non-sequel colon titles are a peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not like a peeve, but like you have to have a point and like it seems like a stupid thing to add on to this movie. I'm like, why? Yeah. I don't understand. Because like, and this because look, I don't, I don't understand Spanish. I'm sorry. So like, when I read that, I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Pretty sure it's French. Or but French. I'm sorry. Either way, that might be why you have trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Point being is, I don't even know what the hell it means. So I'm like, all you had to leave it at was Operation Fortune. Like. I understood that part. Reminds again, me of I, reminds me of the raid redemption. Like, do we need the redemption? No, we don't. No, but yeah. So again, not sorry. Not, I'm not trying to come off ignorant, but I really like it. That was my first thing. Was like, I don't know what that means because I don't speak that language. So I don't understand what the fuck you're saying. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not being into like it myself. Like, so like, yeah, raid redemption. I don't call it the raid. That's all it is. Like Captain America, the first Avenger? No, Captain America. Fuck off. Um, so but, uh, we don't need that. But other than the title, this this does look like a Guy Ritchie return to form. I know we were both kind of, we didn't really care for Wrath of Man that much. It was kind of a stale effort. Whereas this looks a little bit more like Guy Ritchie's flair. Uh, yeah. So here's hoping. Yeah. Um, I know Josh, I think he was like, he watched the trailer. I mean, he didn't really, he was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling anything on this. And, um, I want to say, I, I was, I would say I was intrigued. I wasn't like him. I was completely dead to it. But I was like, I think, like I said, after seeing Wrath the Man, it was like, okay, like you had me back on board, Guy Ritchie with the gentleman. I really liked that movie. But then you turn around and give me Wrath the Man, and it's like I want to be excited for this because this does very much look like a Guy Ritchie film this time. I'm like, I don't want to get excited, go see, and then walk away disappointed again. You know. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, we'll see. Um, next up, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, an A24 multiverse adventure starring Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis. Comes out March 25th. And A24, you know, they're a creative studio. They're, they definitely greenlight weird shit. Some of it's good. Some of it I could do without. Not sure about this one yet. Uh, this looks... Like an acquired taste. Uh, I don't know if I'll go see this. I'll probably rent this, but it does look intriguing. Yeah, um, it looks different from what they usually do. Um, I don't. Josh again. He he was let this in the Nick Cage when he was like quick to show him when I got home from work. Um, and um, you know he's really down for this movie. He's like really excited, and I'm I'm happy for him. But like personally, just because of A24 and their consistency with the, the type of films they deliver, I'm trepidatious. It does look different. I will give it looks different what they usually give us. But they've also been ones to be known to market films a certain way and then it comes out not what was it not as it was marketed. Um mm-hmm. yep. So it's like I don't want to get too excited 
And my other thing is like, it's interesting that they're doing a multiverse movie when Marvel was doing all this multiverse stuff. So it's like, and DC kind of did it. So it's like, are you doing this because you want to? Or are you just like trying to hop on a band? Like, I don't know. Like, like I said, I'm not trying to completely down it. It definitely looks intriguing, looks different. I'm just trepidatious because of my feelings with A24 and their film output. It makes me laugh that DC you know, announced all their shit with the flash or like, we're going into the DC comics multiverse. We're bringing Michael Keaton back and all this. And Marvel's like, well, hold on a sec. And they beat them by the punch by like half a year. And now it's going to look like DC's, you know, copying Marvel yet again. They got to be pissed. They got to be so pissed. And I also wish they hadn't told us about Michael Keaton. I'm excited, but how more epic would it have been if he just fucking showed up in the movie? Showed up. Yeah. At the same time, though, like, I'm sure they're pissed because no one beat them to the punch, but let's be honest. I don't see fan anticipation for this Flash as high as I do for Spider-Man, so even if Marvel hadn't beat them, I they're not going to make the money that fucking yeah. Spider-Man's making right now. Well, what if we don't? What if Michael Keaton is the only announcement that they've told us? What if, like, fucking Clooney's showing up, too? Nope, I'm good. Can you imagine, like, they're like, there's a secret Batman in the movie. And like, we're all hoping like, oh, Christian Bale, please, 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 Christian Bale. And then it's George Clooney or Val Kilmer. God, that'd be depressing if it was Val Kilmer. I, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, it would. He, like not talk that much anymore. He needs like the fucking speaker thing. Yeah, it won't be Val. But Clooney, like, that would be I awesome. Think, I don't think he can do anything. I think the last people, last thing for anyone who cares that they see Val Kilmer is going to be this new Top Gun. Ugh, God. I want that movie to come out just so we can stop talking about it. Yeah, I, I in general, I'm kind of in like a note of Paramount delaying their shit constantly. So I'm like, you're not doing it because you care about people. You're doing it to try to get as much money as you fucking can out of the box office, which is both like a slimy but not slimy thing new. It's really weird fucking gray area. True. True. Um, next up, The Lost City. An adventure comedy starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Daniel Radcliffe comes out March 25th. Uh, I, I, it looks cute. It looks funny. But I don't know. Sandra Bullock's track record with, you know, rom-coms is a little mixed, in my opinion. But this yeah. does look funny. She has a moments like uh, when she did the heat with Melissa McCarthy. That was really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um it I don't know like it it looks like a fun movie um to me at least again to me I got reps because Josh was like this looks stupid <laughs> but to me it, it looks fun enough um I do think it's interesting that like the longer we don't get this new Indiana Jones it's almost like more and more clones are popping up like the Lost City and the Uncharted film adaptation like we're getting all these other movies. And guess who's still not at the party? Indiana Jones, because they keep delaying the movie. Um, well, Harrison Ford is busy, and we're going to get to that in a minute here. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, Lost City, it, it looks fun enough, but I'll, I'm not in a rush to see that one. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Red Notice looked fun enough, and I didn't rush. I still haven't watched it. Me neither. You know, Apparently, audiences fucking love that movie. Apparently, it has a huge audience score. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, the Lost City looks cute, uh, but we'll see. Finally, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore comes out April 15th, the long-awaited third installment of the planned five-film Fantastic Beast series that is limping to the barn as we speak with all the J.K. Rowling transgender shit she won't stop spouting, with the Johnny Depp controversy, with the fact that the second one sucked and fans aren't that excited anymore. There's just a lot against this film. (laughs) Yeah. I do think it's funny in the trailer. If you notice, they put Warner Brothers invites you. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, not J.K. Rowling. She doesn't invite you. It's fine, guys. You imagine like, creating something that is like one of the most culturally significant pop culture achievements of all time, and you could just go retire in your castle and live off the residuals for the rest of your life, but you won't shut the fuck up about how much you can't stand a certain group of people. Yeah, that's what kills me. Like she did it. Like at first, she had a moment to be like, "Hey, I said things out of context. I apologize." No, she doubled down. And I'm like, "Why? Shut up!" It's like you can retire with the Harry Potter money for Christ's sake. There's a goddamn video game coming out next year that I'm actually looking forward to. Like, just shut up, J.K. Rowling. Fuck. I mean, and like I said, to the point that the trailer removed her name completely to say, you know, Warner Brothers invites you, like. No, no, the studio invites you to please come see this third film. Um, and then the upcoming reunion that I plan on watching on HBO Max. Um, and they announced the cast list. They, they were quick to just not put her name on there. Like, nope, she won't be there. Don't worry, guys. Everyone but her. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> they're actively cutting her out. It's, it's crazy. Uh... And then she's like trying to get other works, like trying to sell other books. And everyone's like, no, like, oh, it's, it's crazy. I, I wonder how far this is going to go. Like, cause she still wrote fantastic beast three. Yeah. But I doubt she's going to write the next two. They'll probably get someone else that has, I'm sure they'll try to find someone that's writ, wrote one of the prior films, like one of the Harry Potter films to bring yeah. them in with this. Kind of like how they got David Yates to direct it, you know? All right. So outside the the J.K. Rowling controversy, I think Mads Mikkelsen looks like a cool Grindelwald. I think he looks more intimidating than like the weird white frizzy hair look Depp was going for. I still don't know why they did that. Grindelwald looks, I mean, uh, Mikkelsen looks more like a dark wizard that, you know, could take over the world. Yeah, I like Mikkelsen. Look, really, so this is my thing. And actually, like, believe it or not, like, the whole J.K. Rowling thing is actually the least of the reasons I want to see this film. I don't want to see this film, sorry. It's a simple fact that where I think the Harry Potter franchise, I know at the time, I think I was kind of shooting on the fourth film. I take that back, fully take it back. The eight Harry Potter films are great and is a damn near flawless fucking film series to me. I remember getting excited for Fantastic Beasts, thinking, oh, okay, cool, let's get more of it. And I watched it and I went, this was okay. Like, I didn't really enjoy the first movie. I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. I was like, I don't know if I can... I remember even thinking, I was like, do I really have to sit through four more of these? Like, please tell me it gets better. And then I sat through the second film and was like, oh my god, it got worse. I was like, oh boy. 
And after that, I was like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of like, like, I don't understand. Like, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, right? You had a fucking kick-ass trilogy. And they're like, hey, do you want three Hobbit films? And no one went, yeah, sure. And then they did it anyway. I was like, okay. It's like, I don't understand. You take, like, this nearly flawless fucking trilogy or film series. You have them tack on more to it and not give the same amount of commitment. And then we just have now this dangling fruit of a fucking franchise attached to a flawless franchise. Well, I also think it's very clear that they went into this thing with no plan. I mean, you've got your main character is basically like not. I mean, you take you take Newt's commander out of this franchise. Nothing fucking changes. He's he's pointless. This has nothing to do with Fantastic Beasts. This is the war between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And they should have just started with that. So to just, you know, made that the story done like one or two movies. We don't need five. It's clear. You know, it's a money grab. It's all it is. Uh, I can't tell you any of the characters names, which is ridiculous. I can tell you like the, you know, background characters, of the Harry Potter franchise. But I don't remember, you know, fucking Balls of Fury guy's name. No, <laughs> and you, you know, it's funny, man. Like, and we'll get more. Into, we'll talk more about this aspect as we talk about Spider-Man. Right. But. When I went to go see the movie on Thursday night with Josh, we had a, a very rowdy crowd. And I mean this in the best possible way, and I'll get more into it on Spider-Man why. And this will actually bring up my much talked about ad nauseum on fucking certain directors and their goddamn cin- movies that save the cinema. And but I'll get into that more when we talk Spider-Man, right? But I remember this trailer, you know, this trailer obviously played right before Spider-Man, because why wouldn't you play this trailer for fucking Spider-Man? Yep. And no one cheered no one clapped no one freaked out but i mean like the moment like sonic the hedgehog 2 fucking trailer played the theater lost its fucking mind people were cheering for sonic the hedgehog 2 and maybe a couple of people did for fantastic beast like that doesn't tell you how much people don't give a shit anymore about this like that they were cheering for a fucking sonic hedgehog 2 <laughs> that's embarrassing I don't. That's sad. I didn't get the Sonic 2 trailer, but I did get Fantastic Beasts. Uh, what else did I have? Um, the Batman. Yeah, we got that. I remember people were like, you could hear, it wasn't like a cheer, but people were like, oh, Batman. Like, there was a, a significant murmur of like, oh, yeah. Like, you can tell it was like, oh, it's that one we've been waiting for. It keeps getting delayed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fantastic Beasts. I'm sure it'll make money. Uh, probably underperform and they'll still go ahead with part four and not change anything because they don't seem to learn. No, they'll, they'll somehow they'll finish all five films. I just I, won't give a shit. I think it's weird that they're giving a muggle a wand. Like, can you do that? Can you just turn a regular dude into a wizard like that? No, because it's it, weird. That was something that was fucking established in the main Harry Potter series yet. Yeah, if you read the book, you'll know that that's fucking impossible. (laughs) Otherwise, Filch would have magic powers. Good, here we are. I also think it's just a side note. I think it's hilarious that a castle full of wizards who can fix things with a magic spell has a caretaker. Like, what is his job? Like, you can clean everything with magic. He doesn't need to be there. He's just there to verbally assault children. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like an awesome job. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So that's all that ha- all for trailers. Um, 
The hyped up crime thriller Deep Water starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas is finally being released uh, after being abruptly taken off the release schedule. It will now show up on Hulu sometime soon. We've yet to even get a trailer for this movie, which was supposed to be out this year. Uh, Disney ended up acquiring this after they bought Fox and has really not known what to do with it. Uh, yeah. They probably still don't know what to do with it after Ben Affleck's fucking dumb ass comments he made about his ex wife. Oh no. What did he say? He, now mind you, the reason he is divorced from Jeremy Garner, ladies and gentlemen, is because of his gambling addiction and alcoholism. Nothing with her. He proceeded to talk about how he felt like he was trapped in his marriage and mm. pretty much like put all the blame on her and not the fact that he's a fucking struggling alcoholic gambling addict. Well, real fucking nice move there, Ben. Uh, that sucks, you know, but honestly, I have no sympathy for the dude who's just like banging J-Lo and avoiding responsibility. So, yeah, and mind you, some some people point out they're like, you're going to blame her, but after you guys, after they were divorced, she was nice enough to take him to rehab or to some like therapy you need, like an AA meeting or something. I'm like, yeah, good move, dude. Especially with this film that looks like they're just kind of dumping it at this point. Like, you want to make film a- that he and Ana de Armas hooked up on, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that they hooked up on, which she could do better. She's a stunning woman. Yeah. yeah, she could do better. <laughs> Way better. Um, it's like, yeah, I get the feeling they're going to dump it, and now because of that comment kind of going public and people seeing that, I'm sure Disney's just like, yeah, let's just dump this shit on Hulu because whatever. Like, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm usually not one to kind of like get into like these privatized actors. When I, I happen to read them, I'm like, God, wow, you're a piece of shit, aren't you, Ben Affleck? I'm like, clearly, Matt Damon's the nicer of the. The two of you, isn't he? I always thought that that was reversed. Ben always struck me as like a dude who learned from his mistakes, but clearly he's not. And Damon always struck me as a guy who's like full of shit in real life. But I, you know what? I might have misjudged them both. You probably did. It seems like Damon's the cool one that you can get along with. And Affleck is the, sh- the piece of shit that wants to blame every everyone but himself for his fellow marriage. Mm. And go crawling back to JLo to bang her. Damn. Well, you know what? I never, you know, if you told me what was going to be in 2020's bingo, Ben Affleck reverting back to 2003 douchebag Affleck was not on my list. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see that coming either. Yeah, I guess we're. I, I, I probably should have seen something when he crawled back to JLo because, like, if I'm learning anything, dudes that go back to their exes tend to be douchebags because other women don't want them ouch that's not i'm not there's that's broad <laughs> there's exceptions let's make that no there's exceptions yeah. in a lot of cases it's well not i hope good to go back to your ex in a lot of cases exceptions well, can be made trust me let's 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 shorten this it's not good to go back to j-lo because she's a psycho mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take that one because she's absolutely high maintenance, like knuck and futz. So the fact that he's like, I, I, I don't miss stability with Jennifer Garner and my kids. I want to go back to the psycho bitch. Like, OK, yeah. Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's 
Yeah. Okay, Ben. It's just I ah, it's just weird. Like blame your ex-wife and your kids essentially for because I think that was saying he's like, I feel trapped, you know, with like having like the kids and having to be a father. Like, so your kids and ex-wife for the whole re- don't you wasn't it because you were addicted to gambling and you have issues with alcohol? Affleck like, like, like in his fifties? Like what what trapped? Dude, like you've had so much time to you're like you're a millionaire you like what are you what are you trapped by yeah and if you're in your 50s saying these kind of comments are you going to mature at any point buddy like you you plan on like fucking maturing here soon oh god what you know what? I'm, I'm gonna watch deep water just because i'm out of curiosity but christ ben figure your shit out yeah i'll watch it more so for on an armist i really i Look, I know I kind of saw her like she's hot. She is. I think she's stunning, but she's a really good actress too. I, the fact I never would have thought when I watched Knock Knock that she would have like the career she has now. But I'm generally happy for her because Knives Out, her small part in No Time to Die was a fucking standout moment. Like she's a generally talented actress. So I'll watch it. If I do watch it, it'll be more so for her and less so for Ben Affleck, especially after the comments you made. Turns out you can always count on free fucking pizza. Um. Yeah, she's I, gonna play. I won't remember that speech, but go on. It was free fucking pizza. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? Way to go, Ke- Keanu. <laughs> In the for a minute, I thought like we always gonna get a movie where he's trapped to a chair and gives us a speech because he that was like right after the first John Wick movie. So I was just like, is this a thing now? It's gonna be Keanu's thing. <laughs> Because I'm yes. so I'm in. Like, keep doing it. I'm I'm down. We get some great speeches when he's strapped to a chair. Oh my god! You know, um, she's gonna play Marilyn Monroe in a movie that's coming out soon called Blonde. That's a good. Oh, that's right. I've been hearing. There's been a lot of controversy around that movie because apparently it's sexual content. Raunchy. And yeah, and Netflix has taken it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me put it like this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put aside. My critical lens. I'm going to put aside my film bias. I'm going to put aside my sensibilities and just be a, a fucking man for once here. Um, Ana de Armas is super hot. Marilyn Monroe is super hot. I hear they're making a Netflix movie about her that's super raunchy. What I mean, I I really want to fucking see this. Oh yeah, that's as soon as I heard, that, I was like, you know what? Any other day, I wouldn't care, but now I kind of want to see this movie. <laughs> Apart from that, which is probably my driving force for this film. I am curious to see how they get around her accent. Yeah, she has a thick accent. Like I haven't seen her really hide it for any of the films she's done. In case you all didn't know this, Marilyn Monroe wasn't Cuban. <laughs> but I am curious. To see. I know that she's been working with a dialect coach for like five years for this. So I'm hoping it, uh, you know, this could turn out to be like the, the role of her career. We'll see. Or it could bomb heavily and people will just watch it for nudity. Who knows? Yeah. It could it could be terrible, but all the guys are tuning in to see Anna and they almost do her thing. I mean, you could just watch Knock Knock, but this is, you know, her and Marilyn at the same time. Yeah, you could watch both. If we're being honest, do a nice little back to back. Yeah, throw it throw in my week with Marilyn if you want to see more. Yeah, just make sure you do it alone because you might need some alone time. Okay, if you catch my flips, guys. We're we're, all right. We're we're alienating some people. I can feel it. All right. I know we are. Back to film. All right. We're back. Um, 
We're back in the saddle again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The upcoming horror film The Black Phone has been delayed from February to June 24th. Uh I don't know why. I don't know if it's COVID related. It could just be reshoots it, or some shit. It from what I understand, it's confidence from the studio. Oh, so they're like, this is gonna be good. Let's throw it in the summer. Okay. I like that. It's, when I understand it's confidence, because trust me, when I read that, I was like, fuck, I want to see this movie. Because, like, I don't know, like, if you've been keeping up, like, if you've seen, like, how it's tracking right now um, in the film festival circuit, it's getting rave reviews. I haven't seen a single bad review about it. Sweet. Um, they are calling it, they are considering it Derrickson's, like, best film and uh, Cargill, his writing partner, their best film together. Ethan Hawke is getting all sorts of praise that I haven't seen in a while for his like villainous turn here. I mean, this film is getting praised heavily. So as much as it sucks, and much like with the new Jackass, as much as I want to see this damn movie, from what I understand, the move was a show of confidence that we can compete in the summer because of how well word of mouth is already going into this film. Okay, I'll take the win. All right. Well, I'll see it in June. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to watch. I, look, I, I've read the short story it's based on. I think you have, too. I can't remember. Have you? I don't think so. You know, you know what? I might be confusing you with Josh. I think Josh started also. Sorry. Oh, okay. The one that actually reads the stuff I suggest. Um, Ouch. I'm too busy hosting all these fucking podcasts, my friend. Oh, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, <coughs> really like the short story. Um, been excited for this film since that trailer, and like, and like everyone else, and I'm sure Austin actually probably feels the same way. And I'm sure you do because I know you kind of come around on Ethan Hawke recently. I'm very excited to see Ethan Hawke in like a villainous role. Yeah, this will be kind of a testing ground for uh, <laughs> for Moon Knight. Yeah, right. Yeah, because he's playing the bad guy there. So it, it seems like he's very willing to kind of change up his usual we know him for and try something different, which is exciting. And like I said, the praise I've seen consistently about him in very early festival release for this movie gives me a lot of confidence that he is going to fucking crush it in this film. Sweet. Yeah, well, we'll see that in June. I wonder what it's going to come up against, you know, June 24th. That's prime middle of summer release date. So I doubt it's going to be alone there. Um, this is interesting, and I really hope it's true. Harrison Ford is reportedly returning to Star Wars as a de-aged Han Solo, who will appear in either the upcoming Book of Boba Fett series or the third season of The Mandalorian. Apparently, money really does talk. Uh, after Mark Hamill's appearance in season two, they apparently put a lot of zeros on a big check and managed to convince Harrison Ford to do some de-aged uh, reappearing, which I really hope is true. Well, he probably gets injured less on Star Wars than he does Indiana Jones and causing constant delays to that movie. The first day of shooting Force Awakens, the Millennium Falcon fucking fell on him. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true. <laughs> uh, but I would love to see, you know, 
I want to see Harris. I want to see Han Solo up, you know, go up against Boba because Boba's probably holding a grudge since his blind ass whacked him into the fucking Sarlacc. <laughs> I imagine coming up across against Han again is going to be uh, it's going to be some tension. Yeah, if this is true, like, is this just a rumor? I saw it in multiple uh, news outlets, pretty reliable ones. So, I mean, I, I think this might be true. Okay. I'm not going to hold my breath till I see a, a confirmed thing or if he pops up in Book of Boba Fett I'm intending to watch that the fucking day it comes out. So, um, but, I mean, if it does, I'm down. I, I'm definitely curious how much she fucking paid him to convince him to come back because this whole thing would even come back for Force Awakens was you have to kill my character off. Like, that was his whole thing. Like True, but then he popped up in Rise of Skywalker in that brief bit where his, like, ghost talked to Ben. So, I think you just got to pay the guy. Like, you just give him some money and he'll be Han Solo for as long as you need him. I think, it's, I think it's pay money. I think as grumpy as an old man as he is... I think he's at least still small enough, unlike a like another actor like Bruce Willis, for example, to go ahead and take these types of gigs because he knows they are easy paycheck gigs for him. Like people are going to see Star Wars, people are going to see Indiana Jones. So, like, well, Indy's always been very close to him. Like he's always been very, he's always loved. He said Indiana Jones is like the, his favorite character he's ever played. So I think Indy Five is as much a paycheck gig as it is him giving a proper swan song to the character. Mm. Which again, I just really want that movie because if he's in a swan song, we saw what Trans Mango did with Swan Song with Logan. So I'm like, yeah. oh God, give me your fucking swan song. Make me cry again, Mango, because I can admit I was a fucking in tears at the end of Logan. Logan was cool. So yeah, I'm uh I I wanna see, you know, younger I want to see young Han again, which would be sweet. Yeah, uh, I'm just, like I said, because it's rumor, I'm not, I'm not going to get excited yet. I'll yeah. watch Book of Boba Fett, see if he pops up, or wait for them to confirm it on uh, IGN. It's probably disgusting, won't fucking confirm it, but IGN or whatever other news site I happen to see it on. Well, I found this on IMDb, so that that's pretty reliable. Okay. Yeah. And comicbook.com, which also tends to have pretty uh, reliable news. Okay. Um, I've also heard the book of Boba Fett. I think it's like six episodes. That would make sense. That seems to be what they like to do with their shows: is six episodes. But also, I, they said every episode is loaded with Star Wars fan service and huge surprises. So, both. I can't wait. Look, man, that trailer had me hooked. That fucking trailer they dropped, I was like, "Fuck yeah, bring this show on!" Oh yeah. Ah, I'm excited to see Boba finally kick some ass properly. Yeah, especially because like we've got a shit ton of MCU shows, but like I don't, I, did we even I don't. Did the second season of Mandalorian come out this year? Or was it last year? That was last year because I remember them saying like they're taking a a year long break, and in that break we're getting the Boba Fett show. Okay, I was about to say because yeah, we haven't gotten fucking shit for Star Wars. And even well, like they did their Disney Plus day, they announced all these Marvel shows and and had trailers for them. But then their Star Wars show was like, yeah, you know, though we want shows coming out. Trailer? No, we don't have a trailer yet. We just have some concept art. I'm like, but you guys are filming. You you have footage. <laughs> well, they I know they said the Rangers of the New Republic show they were going to do is getting dismantled, and the major plot points are being molded into the Mandalorian. 
after Gina Carano wouldn't shut the fuck up about her uh, anti-Semitic views. So well, she's I mean, not getting a show now. I don't understand these people when they, they are given the chance, her and Rowling, they were literally the studio said, hey, just stop saying it. If you want to apologize to that, we'll keep you. Just please stop. And their response was, no, fuck you. And then they're shocked when they get followed up with, then you're fired. Like we, at, we, we gave you, they were given the chance to shut the fuck up and just leave it off the social media stuff. That's all they were asking. They were trying to me be reasonable, which is like, look, you can have your, but leave that shit off of social media. Like stop talking about it. And then yeah. when they kept doing it, they got fucking fired. And they're like, well, why'd you fart? Well, they gave you a fucking chance. Why didn't you just take it? Freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences. And that's what these people don't seem to realize. Like, yeah, you can say whatever you want, but we all have the right to react the way we want to what you're saying. So when you say anti-Semitic shit working for Disney, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's and just like, that easy. Was it worth it, Corrado? Because not only are you not in the fucking third season of Mandalorian now, but your show that you were going to be the star of is gone. Like, was it fucking worth it? Yeah. And then Rosario Dawson's over here just, you know, doing her sword training for the Ahsoka show. Everybody's looking forward to. You know, being quiet and reasonable. And yeah, everyone's pumped for that. And the Obi-Wan show. And so we're all we're getting a whole bunch of cool Star Wars shit. I think they're just working yeah. heavily on what they got. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I just get, it really bugs me when they are like literally given the chance to shut the fuck up, continue their deal with the company in some capacity at least. And they go, nope, I'm going to double down. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yep. I don't understand it, but it also makes me happy that like these idiots are, you know, there's consequences to their actions. And, you know, that's something I thought we all learned as children, but some of us didn't learn that apparently. No, apparently not. Uh, speaking of consequences, finally, uh, the Golden Globe nominations have been announced by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It's odd this time because NBC has canceled the award show after they gave a super shitty apology over the lack of black representation in the Hollywood foreign press. I know you didn't watch the Globes, but I did. And they addressed it by going up on stage and being like, we're really sorry. We're going to try harder next time. Like clearly reading off the teleprompter, not giving a fuck. And that coupled with like a lot of corruption charges and bribes and the NBC was like, we're done here. So no award show, but they're still, they're still announcing nominations. Uh, there's not going to be a Golden Globes televised this year. So I don't know if they're going to mail these out or what. But here are the nominees in the film categories. Um, best motion picture drama. Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog. Uh, any thoughts on those? No. No. Okay. I'll find, I was actually, I have something to relay what you said to like um, something I learned about the Grammys recently with a certain artist um, that's still fucking being nominated. If you would like. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say in general with this, I don't want to say it now, so then you can just run through your nominations. Yeah, sure. It's really weird. 
Hollywood's so fucking in the entertainment industry. I'm not gonna say Hollywood, the entertainment industry is really weird in how they approach this subject. Like you see with you know the globes, okay, they're not gonna air it, it's not gonna be a show, but they're so letting them run their fucking award shit still. Okay, like are they really being punished then? Because they're sure able to fucking operate. Well, I may not care. I will bring it into something that I do care about, a genre I like, right? Metal. As a lot of people know, Miller Manson is facing charges that are allegations are look to be true, look to be extraordinarily true. Um, and they're pretty serious, they're pretty fucking bad. And he's probably not gonna have a career after after it, understandably. Yet, in light of what he is, you know, what the whole thing going on with him right now and the trial and all that stuff, he is still under up for a nomination at the fucking Grammys. Two, he was up for three. It went down to one. The two he got struck for had nothing to do with the allegations at all. They did it for other technical reasons. And their whole thing was like, well, we don't... <coughs> you know, we want to separate what they're going... Their personal life from their art. And um, we don't... We're judging based off their art, not what they're going through. Okay. In this case, though, you're saying that you're nominating his newest album for a fucking Grammy while he's facing charges for abusing fucking women. That doesn't come off good, Grammys. As much as I'm all about suffering art from artists, what I mean by that is as much as it, it's hard for me because of, you know, how when I was younger, how much his music kind of like helped me get into like my love for metal i can still listen to his music but know that he's a piece of shit but i still like his music i don't think i fully disagree with the grammys i think he shouldn't be fucking nominated at all i think he has zero right to be fucking nominated in light of what he's getting accused of and it's turning out to possibly very much be true and i just i don't get i don't get the entertainment industry with like that and like with the globe saying all right well you're not getting your show but don't worry you can still do your awards what lessons being fucking learned like what are they not they can still do the fucking award they're just not going to be televised okay lessons are not learned in the entertainment industry it's like the penalty box in a hockey game you get you sit down for a little bit and then eventually after Somebody says it's okay, you're back in the game. It's weird. I mean, we saw, you know, Kevin Spacey's gearing up to have a role again. I think Louis C.K. got nominated for a Grammy as well. I didn't even hear about Louis C.K. I just heard about the Marilyn Manson thing. If it wasn't Louis, it was another comedian who's, like, got allegations against him. But somebody, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just odd. I mean, they're always having, you know, like Roman Polanski's win for The Pianist like while being a fugitive from justice for raping a 13 year old, it's, it's, it's icky. Yeah. And it's just a part of the industry. You kind of have to, you know, almost ignore if you're going to enjoy any of the, of the products of the work. And yeah, but at the same time, like don't, and don't get me wrong. I still love the entertainment industry, but I think there, there needs to start being accountability and actual accountability, not this fake, like, Oh, well, we kind of punished them. No, like, Guess what, Polanski? You're fucking fugitive. You shouldn't be getting any goddamn Oscar nominations at all. Why? Because you're a fucking fugitive that fled the country. 
it won't come back. So you don't have to go to prison, you fucking... I'm going to hold back from other words, but yeah, it's like, no, you shouldn't get fucking nominated. You shouldn't be making movies as far as I'm concerned because you're legitimately a fugitive. Well, like legitimately a, a diddler, a rapist. Yeah, like he's, a, rapist he's a monster. Fucking fugitive. You're both. Like, you should not be allowed to make movies, much less be nominated for a fucking Oscar. Like, yeah, this is a lot of a uh, lot of dark shit you got to navigate to enjoy this world. It's it's mm-hmm. weird. I'm just saying, like, to me, that that will show like true change in Hollywood. It's the day that they actually commit to like saying, "Okay, you've done this bad shit." get the fuck out we don't deal with this type of shit in the business but i just feel like that's gonna be a very long long road i feel like the beginning of shrek when he wipes his ass with a fairy tale and goes like like that's ever gonna happen like Mm -hmm. that's that's the vibe i get like everyone you know they're rich enough and famous enough to avoid any actual penalties i mean look at harvey weinstein getting you know case after case dropped against him right now it's fucked up right Uh, we're going right like all the Me Too movement stuff is getting like backtracked now. Yep. Cosby is out of jail. Like, yeah, I don't understand it. Like, short of like vigilante justice, I don't know what's going to yeah. convince people to actually fucking try. And meanwhile, all that's happening, people spend half their time bitching about Dave Chappelle jokes. I just have to point this out. Like, all this is happening. No one says a fucking word, but Dave Chappelle makes jokes. Goddamn jokes. And anyone loses their fucking mind. Yeah, we don't understand like real offense anymore. I'm offended by rapists and monsters and assaulters and harassers being able to just go back to work. That offends me. Jokes don't fucking offend me. <laughs> yeah. So as far as, you know, as of now, I don't want to end up, you know, putting my foot in my mouth 10 years down the line. As of now, Dave Chappelle has has not been accused of anything. So, yeah, let him be. He's not the bad guy here. Yeah. Sorry. I know I kind of went on a soapbox, but that's probably I, that's the only angle I got for you on the whole globe. Besides, I really don't care about nominations, but I just had to get that out of my system. So I know I don't care really a lot either. I just. I like to kind of get a glimpse of what the Oscars are going to look like just because it's my Super Bowl. I like the work. And yeah, it's a Hollywood stroke fest. I know that. But I don't Whatever. Listen to Oscar Sunday. Well, let's let's <laughs> power through this so we can get to the stuff I am like, talking about finally. Fine. Best, mu- best musical or comedy? Cyrano. Don't look up. Licorice Pizza. Tick, tick, boom. West Side Story. Makes sense. Uh, best director, Kenneth Branagh, Belfast, Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog, Maggie Gyllenhaal, The Lost Daughter, Steven Spielberg, West Side Story, Denis Villeneuve, Dune. Best actress drama, Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Nicole Kidman, Being the Ricardos, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. Uh, if you have any thoughts, feel free to just shoot them out there, but I don't think you've seen any of these movies. I have zero thoughts. I just want to get through this so we can talk about movies I really want to talk about. Fine, fine. Best actress musical comedy: Marion Cotillard, Annette, Alana Heim, Licorice Pizza, Jennifer Lawrence, Don't Look Up, Emma Stone, Cruella, Rachel Ziegler, West Side Story. Best supporting actress: Catriona Balf, Belfast, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog, Ingenue Ellis, King Richard, Ruth Nega, Passing. Best Actor Drama, 
Herschel Ali, Swan Song, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Best Actor, Musical Comedy, Leonardo DiCaprio, Don't Look Up, Peter Dinklage, Cyrano, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Cooper Hoffman, Licorice Pizza, Anthony Ramos, In the Heights, Best Supporting Actor, Ben Affleck, The Tender Bar, Jamie Dornan, Belfast, Kieran Hines, Belfast, Troy Kotzer, Coda, Cody Smith McPhee, The Power of the Dog, Best Screenplay, Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh, Belfast, Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog, Adam McKay, Don't Look Up, Aaron Sorkin, Being the Ricardos. Best Original Score, Alexandre Desplat, The French Dispatch, Jermaine Franco, Encanto, Johnny Greenwood, The Power of the Dog, Alberto Iglesias, Parallel Mothers, Hans Zimmer, Dune. Best Original Song, Be Alive, King Richard, Dos Origuitas, Encanto, Down to Joy, Belfast, Here I Am, Singing My Way Home, Respect, No Time to Die, from No Time to Die. Best Animated Picture, Encanto, Flea, Luca, My Sunny Maud, Raya and the Last Dragon. Best, not, best Foreign Language Film, Compartment Number 6, Drive My Car, The Hand of God, A Hero, Parallel Mothers. And then there's all the TV nominees I don't give a fuck about. So there are the Golden Globe nominations for the film side of things. Uh, when the winners come out, I'll announce those too. I didn't hear Nicolas Cage and Pig at all. Yeah, that, so fuck that bugged me. That bugged me too. Maybe the Oscars, you know? I mean... When Luke said they come out during Oscar season... Yeah, I can't, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I miss it. Um, I miss Cage getting like actual consideration from the Academy. He's got one. He's got a statue, guys. He absolutely should have been fucking considered for goddamn pig. Like, yes. absolutely should. That was a powerhouse, like a subdued, nuanced powerhouse performance for him. He should have been fucking considered. I Great. still remember the scene when he talked about at the chefs where I showed the whole like people don't care about you scene. That was like fucking masterwork of acting right there and clearly talking about his own career as well so yeah fuck off you sure been nominated <laughs> well you know the oscars always have a couple surprises uh maybe cage will get a nomination for pig i don't know i hope so so uh tell us about nightmare alley uh first off for the love of god people go see it i know there's another big film out <laughs> But please help support Del Toro's movie because it's really good. Um, this is, if you're expecting the usual type of Del Toro film, you're, you're going to both get it but not get it, if that makes sense at all. Um, this is, you can still very much feel his influence. You feel that this is a Del Toro film, but he does just enough different that you usually don't see in stuff. Like one of those things that like he mutes a lot of his color palette he still has bright colors that pop up and whatnot like i think red was a prominent color i'm seeing it throughout the movie but he mutes a lot of it to go for that noir uh look and feel um and it's a very much an actor showcase film and it's very like bradley cooper is amazing he's riveting in this film um absolute piece of shit that's all i'll say about him is that he is a piece of shit that you're gonna fucking hate um <laughs> But it's 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 solid. Um, I will say, long run time. It seems like that's the thing for December is we have to release two and a half hour movies this month, um, and it is that. And I, while I did feel it, I don't mean that in a negative way. Usually, when I say like, "Oh, I really feel the runtime," that's a sign of a bad movie for me. Like, okay, I'm feeling it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this needs to fucking end. 
I felt it, but not because it was bad, because of the pacing is very methodical. It's very deliberate pacing. So it's like you do, you will feel the runtime, but like for me, I was so in and hooked on the story and like where it was going, where he was taking me, that I was okay with that. Um, him, Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett fucking play so goddamn well off each other that like it's so much fun to watch those two together. Like it's, it's magical seeing those two. Um, besides that, I don't want to say too much. I know you haven't seen it. I know you're planning on seeing it. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but yeah, if if you guys can, I, I know we're going to talk about it tonight. There's another huge film out. But for all those who, I'll go on and say it here, you know, I hear it all the time, like, they don't make original films in Hollywood. They do. They're only making these types of films. Well, when Spider-Man No Way Home is making $587 million in one fucking weekend, and Doto's movie, Nightmare Alley, is making $3 million in a weekend. What do you think that tells the studios? That tells them you want more shit like Spider-Man. You want more Fast and Furiouses. You want more fucking Godzillas. You want whatever franchise I can fucking think of right now. That's what you want. You don't want this fucking different, new... And granted, I know it's based off the book. I know it's a fucking technically a remake of a 47 film. But it's still something different, right? It's something different that we don't usually get. When it doesn't perform like that, especially, and I know films can, you know, the true test of the film is how much it la- it's ongoing legacy. It's ongoing, you know, it's the same test time. Students are looking at that opening weekend, though. Like, that's just facts. So looking at that fucking opening weekend. So when it doesn't make that much money, you are sending a message. You, the audience, are the ones sending that message that you're bitching about all the time and telling series, well, no, I don't want that type of film. Okay, well, I thought you were, that's what you wanted. That's what you guys complain about. Well, no, I want, you know, like you're complaining about, but then your your money tells them that you don't actually want that type of film. So fucking, it's, I know a lot of people are off in the next two weeks. Take some time. Go see Nightmare Alley. It's a solid film. Help it out. Show the studios that you do want this type of film along with your Spider-Mans and along with your fucking franchises. Yeah, I had a feeling this was going to be good. Um, I'm glad it's getting good critical praise i do wish it had a little bit more of a you know fan outcry but del toro has always had to deal with that he's always had to fight for every project he's ever had uh i i i'm still and in this case it's not i won't put all on audience i just had to say that because it just it really bugs me nowadays when people keep making that complaint but then like the money you can literally pull up the fucking like the financial aspects and go like this is why you're still getting the movies you're getting and not the ones you want Look right fucking here. Um, a lot of it, too, is I think the timing was... I, I cannot fathom why the fuck they moved it up to the week Spider-Man came out. Like, because it was actually going to open after. So if they moved it up, why not move it up? The two weeks where there wasn't really any huge releases coming out. And then they would have had a fucking chance before Spider-Man came out. Like, I... So I won't, it is, I will, you know, again, audience, see it and show the studios you want to see these types of films. But at the same time, like, why the studio decided to release it this fucking weekend, I don't understand. I think producers have been out to get Del Toro from the beginning. I don't know why, but they always seem to sabotage him somehow. Like, they always want, you know, they didn't give him Hellboy 3. Uh, he had to pay for Shape of Water out of his own pocket. Nightmare Alley gets moved to Spider-Man's release date. What what happened? Like, why do they hate him so much? I don't know. And even like, if you really want to fucking break down this weekend, man, like 
so you got Spider-Man on the theatrical front side, and then you think, well, okay, well, maybe people, you know, it's a it's a two-week thing, they got time. Well, fucking the very long delayed anticipated second season of The Witcher came out this weekend. So it's like people are either going to go see fucking Spider-Man or they're staying home watching second season of the Witcher. Because trust me, I got so many fucking texts about the Witcher and me, I'm be like, hey, I'm seeing it. Don't tell me what happens. Um so it's like, why this weekend? Why did you pick this fucking weekend? Yeah, go see Nightmare Out. Uh, yeah, I plan I, to. Sorry. Uh, no I'll just wrap up saying like what you're saying. Go see it. It's really good. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 for me. Really good movie. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, I will try to carve out some time because this it had an insane cast. It had a really cool premise. And uh, it was intriguing, as most of Del Toro's movies are. He's one of the most creative guys in Hollywood. And I always like supporting his work. Yeah. When you watch it, I want to know what you think, is, especially the ending. That's, I'm really curious on what you have to say to me on that one. Sweet. Okay. Uh, so I was in um, L.A. this past week, and I was able to see Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza about two weeks before it comes out officially nationwide so i'll say a little bit about this film um paul thomas anderson's films typically don't have the traditional narrative of most movies he kind of just does his own thing uh licorice pizza is kind of the apex of that this is a film it's like you know the highlights of life through the lens of a teenage hustler and it does star um cooper hoffman and alana heim this is their first role for both of them. Cooper Hoffman is the son of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, longtime collaborator of Paul Thomas Anderson's who uh, tragically passed in 2014. And there are moments in Cooper Hoffman's performance where I can see his dad and it's weird. <laughs> and it just makes me think this kid's going to have a bright future. Uh, it's, it's an acquired taste. It's a weird film it doesn't really have a story you're just kind of watching these two very uh widely age gapped kids find their way say through. It, say for this. <laughs> don't don't be around the bush say for it is it's it's statutory rape buddy <laughs> yeah it is it's, it's statutory rape and it's an odd decision to glorify that and turn it into a like legitimate relationship there's not really any any good way to do that? She's 25 in the film. He's 15. That's fucked. <laughs> um, but he, you know, it starts out with him just kind of running into her and saying like, oh, you're you're hot. I like you. I'm going to marry you one day. And she's like, fuck off, kid, at first. But then he's like, I'm going to be at this restaurant later on tonight. You know, come by. Why not? And she fucking does. <laughs> and she shows up at the restaurant. And they start kind of having a friendship that turns into like a weird rivalry that turns into a romance over the course of this movie. Uh, you got Bradley Cooper being a completely psychotic, like crazy man who threatens Cooper Hoppin's family. And then that never really goes anywhere. Uh, there's a waterbed business and a pinball business and a closeted gay politician and nothing really meshes and it doesn't make sense, but it's PTA. So you sacrifice a lot of traditional narratives just, for the sake of his vision. Um, 
So I get, I did like it. Um, it's funny. It was cool. The experience of it. Uh, the whole bit with Tom Waits and Sean Penn was fucking ridiculous, but really, really neat. I give it an eight. It's an oddball film, but it's a good, it's a pretty good movie. Um, I do want to say Paul Thomas Anderson's recent uh, comments on superhero movies. Uh, he fucking loves them. I didn't see his comments. What did you say? He said that he loves comic book movies. He said that there's a place for them, that they are absolutely art, that they're cinema, that you can have a, you can, you can like both, that you can be, you know, an auteur and still like enjoy these films. There's nothing wrong with that. So he went up big points in my book for that. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, once we t- kind of talk about, and you know, I'll go on and bring it up now. Well, no, I'll wait for Spider-Man, but um, I'll say at least a little bit of it and then get more into it to talk about Spider-Man. All I'll say is like, and when we get into it, I'll really, because I really want to talk about like the fan reaction, like the theater experiences we had when we talk about Spider-Man, because I know you had the same one I had with the crowd. And um, to sit there and knowing the experiences we had, right? To try to say that superhero films aren't cinema, they aren't art. No, look, no offense to Scorsese, to Scott, to fucking Nolan. Actually, all the fucking offense, that idiot. Fuck that guy so hard. Um, it It's like, I don't go to your movie, I don't go to the movie theater to watch your film because of your arturness or you're trying to save cinema. I go there for the communal experience. I, I go there to enjoy a film with a crowd and us all be on the same page. As much as I like Goodfellas, as much as I like Wolf of Wall Street, as much as I enjoyed the Dark Knight trilogy, I didn't have crowd reactions to any of those films that I did with fucking Spider-Man No Way Home. And I will never forget that experience of people cheering. When the Leading their minds at certain points, I talk about like, yeah, go fuck yourself because your films have never been able to do that as much as we love them, as much as we cherish them. They haven't been able to do that like these superhero films do because they're made for an audience, they're made to be experienced by. That's why I get so annoyed when these people and these high art directors want to come at genre, right? When they come when they come at superhero films, when they come at horror, comedy, genres that benefit from seeing in the theater because they ask you to watch a group of people and everyone have fun with it and everyone enjoy it. Companies want the whole audience to laugh. Horror wants the whole audience to have fun. Superfilms wants the whole audience to cheer and enjoy that fucking movie. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I like when we've got a guy like Paul Thomas Anderson who can walk in both worlds. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from his kids. Um, but yeah, Licorice Pizza, it's not going to open up in a lot of theaters. It might be hard to find, but if you can find it, it's worth it. It's a good watch. Is it going to be like Red Rocket where it's like you just cannot fucking find that movie unless you're in New York? It's supposed to come out in 2,200 theaters and that number got slashed in half. So, good luck. (laughs) I guess I'll wait for it to get put on Netflix so I can uh, get it off of their DVD service because I still use that. Yeah, me too. Spider-Man, No Way Home. This is your last chance. If If you stuck it this far, this is the end of the road for a spoiler free episode. So we're going to give you two seconds. 
go find another podcast, go watch something, go have a steak. I don't give a fuck, but come back when you're ready. Okay, here we go. Spider-Man No Way Home, the most anticipated film of the year. The hype was unbelievable. Everyone's speculation, you know, are we going to see multiple Spider-Man? Are we going to see Daredevil? Are the X-Men going to fall out of Jonah Jameson's ass? Who knows? And somehow... There was a rumor like, I want to come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's like the, the insane amount of rumors that fucking popped and like, is Hugh Jackman going to come back as Wolverine? I was like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. Is Doctor Strange going to rip open, like studio barriers and somehow drag Batman into this mess. Who knows? <laughs> and somehow the hype delivered like this film. It worked. It worked out. The, the <laughs> and I, it made me laugh from, you know, Kevin Feige coming out and telling people like, Oh, fans should probably manage their expectations. You know, I don't know if this film can live up to that hype. You manipulating son of a bitch. You're right. And I love you. <laughs> Uh, to Andrew Garfield's press tour being like, oh, that's not me. It's Photoshop. I'm not in this movie. Quit asking me, you dirty liar. <laughs> there were so many moments in this movie where I was like, you piece of shit. You lied to me and I love you. Right. Or like Feige. So yeah, Charlie Cox is Daredevil. When and if you see him, I don't know. <laughs> God, I that was my first audience cheer moment of the movie when Matt Murdock showed up to give Peter legal advice. Oh, Everyone went. Ah. My, mine was actually like literally when the movie started, like when the Sony crowd popped up, everyone there was like, Whoa! like lost it. Mainly because like, I think I feel like the fifth trailer, some dude yells out, stop playing fucking trailers. We want to watch the movie like loud as shit. Uh, <laughs> and, and the whole audience kind of like cheered like, yeah, because like, we we're like, we don't give a shit. Just play the movie. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's fucking, I'm sure they did it on your was it when the cane came into view? Because the moment that cane like came into the fucking screen, yeah, the audience in my theater fucking lost their mind. I couldn't even hear the first couple bits of dialogue because people were cheering so much. I that for me was the biggest long shot <laughs> of this movie was seeing Daredevil, and I, I can't believe it. Like, like holy fuck. Matt's in town. Fuck yeah, you know, fucking Nelson and Murdoch is here. <laughs> And I love when he catches the break. What kind of lawyer did you say you were again? Really good lawyer. Really good lawyer. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's just go through this fucking thing as chronologically as we can. Uh, I think it's still, I think it's pretty fresh in our heads. This thing is never going away. No, I'm um, still thinking about it. I saw it on Thursday night. <laughs> uh, so I saw it at Draft House, which meant we got a really cool pre show of like Italian Spider Man dancing on talk shows and shit like that. But we also got a full franchise recap that went back to 2002 and gave us like this, the history of Spider-Man on the big screen, including the Venom movies. And I was like, there's a reason they're doing this. And um, yeah, that was cool. We opened with, of course, the recap of the end of Far From Home when Mysterio, that piece of shit, reveals to the world Spider-Man's true identity. That, that smelly piece of shit. Shake chilling. All. That's right. He doesn't shower and he plays great villains. <laughs> that chewy sound is ice. I'm enjoying a refreshment. Um, so 
Peter Parker is now mobbed by people and they're all going jumping on MJ. Like, are you Spider-Man's girlfriend? Some dude attacks him for, you know, killing Mysterio. Because not only did Mysterio reveal his identity, he also made it look like he was the hero that Spider-Man killed. And uh, I will say my one gripe with this film, I was, re- I was hoping for more Jameson. Yeah, I will say there weren't as many one-liners like there were in the Raimi trilogy with Jameson. Yeah. It was cool to see J.K. in it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I was very happy to see him. <coughs> yeah, but he didn't me have, too. Like, any snappy one-liners. Mm-hmm. So Peter's life kind of sucks now. Everybody knows he's Spider-Man. He's trying to live a normal life. He's treated differently by everybody. He's, he's investigated by like the Department of Damage Control and the FBI. You know, he has to get a lawyer, Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock, again, first fucking audience fucking just cheering, losing their mind. I don't know what the fuck Matt Murdock said at first. <laughs> uh, so does this mean the Netflix shows are canon? I think like yes and no. What I get and when we talk more about them, what I understand is that like, yes, but by what he does at the end, they don't have to do too much referencing back to those shows. They can just kind of keep moving forward with what they have, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so, uh, due to the, you know, nature of Peter Parker now being Spider-Man, um, his MJ and Ned's application to MIT is denied due to, you know, Spider-Man related reasons and Peter feels guilty. So he decides, well, I know a guy who can manipulate reality. Maybe he can help me. So he goes to Bleecker Street. And talks to Doctor Strange. And in this scene, we learn Strange is not the Sorcerer Supreme. Wong is. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I didn't expect that. I like how they kept that hidden. <laughs> and I felt like that explains why Wong's just been popping up randomly in movies. Because he's like, <laughs> he's having to do all this shit now. Yeah. He's, in, you know, he's got a lot of responsibility. That made sense. Like, why isn't Strange the one seeking out Shang-Chi? Because he's not in charge. Because <laughs> Wong is the Supreme. I love that. And Strange is clearly bitter about it. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. He says, like, I forget the line. I'm seeing the movie again Wednesday, so I'm sure it'll be fresh, you know, in mind. But he, I know he said, like, a snappy line to him. He's like, it's only because I was gone for five years. Yeah. Um, so he, Peter asked Dr. Strange, like, hey, is there any way you can erase everyone's minds and, and make them think, you know, make, you know, make them forget I'm Spider-Man? And Strange is like, well, there is this one ancient spell that makes everybody forget a certain thing. You mean that one? And Parker's like, if it's no trouble. <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, when Long brings it up, and he's like, you remember that party? <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um and I liked how they kind of misled you in the trailer. They made you think, you know, Wong's going to be like, don't you cast that spell. But in the movie, he's like, just leave me out of this. <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, Marvel, like, I know we kind of talk about, like, how we hate how trailers mislead you. I, it depends on the Like, Marvel does a really good job of purposely putting things in so you don't catch on to what they're doing with the movie and then they avoid a lot of spoilers. So they do it more in benefit to the movie and it usually works out. Yeah, true. So Strange decides to cast this because of his like 
you know, he's, he understands what Peter's been through after, you know, end game and being, you know, gone for five years and having to fight Thanos and strange takes pity on him. It's like, all right, I'll help you out. And starts putting together the spell that makes everybody forget about Spider-Man. And Peter, instead of, you know, maybe writing down a list of people he'd like to remember, starts interrupting strange and like, well, my aunt may MJ, Ned, like, the Avengers and Strange is distracted and fucks up the spell. <laughs> well, what I love is after he does that, right? After he fucks up the spell and Peter accidentally like reveals he hasn't even like battled his case, and Strange just goes, Wait, you're telling me that you came to me before you tried to battle your case? And he's like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, I, I didn't know you could do that either. I, I didn't know. I didn't know you could like battle for usually I thought it was like once you denied your denied, that's it. I got into the one school I applied to, so I never had to deal with that. <laughs> um so he goes to talk to the peep to the lady. He calls Flash because Flash is now cool with him because he's Spider-Man and tries to get, you know, like, how do I do this? And Flash is like, well, you got to talk to this woman, but I'm not going to tell you where she is unless you give me what I want. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll tell everybody that you're Spider-Man's best friend. What a piece of shit, Flash Thompson. <laughs> so he goes to talk to this lady on the bridge. And uh, on the bridge, we meet the first of Peter's many consequences in this film. Uh, Dr. Otto Octavius. Dr. Octopus. <laughs> which was the next humongous croucher in my theater. I did not catch the high Peter because the crowd was still cheering. I didn't get a cheer for Doc Ock. Oh, I got, we got a humongous cheer for Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Like, yeah, those two got the cheers big time. I didn't get any villain cheers, which was weird. Um, Doc Ock shows up looking for Peter Parker. He's fight Spider-Man. It was so cool to see Doc Ock again. Uh, the music was the same. That was my favorite thing. Both Ock and the Goblin got their music stings from the Raimi trilogy, and that made me smile more than anything. Yeah, especially, and we'll get to it. Like, this, there's so much at the end I can't wait to talk about. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we'll get to it. But yeah, yeah, I liked how they did that. One of the many little touches they did. Oh, yeah. So Spider Man's fighting Doc Ock, and uh, Ock takes his mask off and is like, You're not Peter. Like, where's my machine? Like, he's fresh out of the ending of Spider-Man 2. Yeah. <laughs> right before he died. Yep. And the arms are in control again. But the arms absorb the stark nanotech of Peter's suit, which was really cool. And now Peter hacks into them and can control Ock's arms. <laughs> which was a really fun scene when you see him, like, moving the arms to piss him off. He's, what, what he's like, unhand me. What are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> I love when the, the admissions lady is like, I'm going to appeal your case. I'm going to get you an MIT and then gets out of the car. And it's like, where is he? <laughs> that is not okay. <laughs> and then you see a pumpkin bomb and you hear that laugh. And oh God, I goosebumps. For theater, yeah. For my theory, it was another cheer, like lost their minds again as soon as that pumpkin bomb came into view. And then you hear the music, the goblin's very distinctive theme. And you see off in the horizon, the Green Goblin. And before he can attack, Spider-Man is and Ock are transported back to Doctor Strange's uh, sub-basement where Strange is like, what have you done? 
And Parker's like, no, what have you done? <laughs> and there's a lot of blame shifting in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's really uh, funny because, like, you can see right here where, like, Strange forgets that Parker's a kid. And this is going to play into later again when we really unpack this ending of the film, which I think is fucking brilliant. And he's like, he kind of treats him like a dog, like, dude, he's like, what have you done? And Parker, being a kid, is like, what are you talking about? You did this spell. You you did this. Leave me out of it. Yeah. And Strange reveals, you know, he's trapped the spell in this little box. And when he activates this box, he can send everybody back. But first they have to catch these people because the spell is pulling from multiple universes. Anyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So quite a lot of bad guys who know that information. Um, so they got to go catch these guys and they go hunting for the goblin as Ock tells them it's Norman Osborn, a brilliant scientist driven mad. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people had issues with the exposition dumps, but they just made me smile. No, I, if you ever had issues that fuck off there, as you'll see, as we go through this, like they, this movie needs those exposition dumps or else you're not going to know what the fuck's going on. So fuck off with that goddamn complaint. Um, sure, but if, if this is your first Spider-Man movie, do your goddamn homework. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm saying, like, as far as I'm concerned, no, you need the ex- exposition dumps in this one. And you're, and to me, you're taking away the fact that it actually like this exposition dump leads to one of the biggest mysteries, which is when he says he died. Don't forget that. He he tells him Norman Osborn is dead. So for a while, the movie kind of tricks you. You start thinking, then wait, is it William Defoe? Like, it's supposed to be. The trailer's told me, but now you're telling me he's supposed to be dead. And it leads into the next big mystery of like, well, then what's going on here? They quickly didn't show you. And then you're like, oh, then wait, what the fuck's going on? So yeah, yeah fuck off in your exposition dump. That was a nice little mystery tease at the end if you listen to the line of doubt. Well, then we cut to Osborne in the in an alley, which is cool because that's usually where Spider-Man made a lot of his major decisions. Um, talking to the Goblin, and the Goblin's like, you know, you've taken your eye off the ball and all that shit. It's like, you know, we have another chance here, Norman, and all that dark shit. And Norman's like, no, not again, and crushes the Goblin mask, and made me think that thing was fragile. That thing took multiple punches from Spider-Man, but that thing went down quickly. <laughs> but now it's it's looking like Nor- Norman's in control of his body and wants to do the right thing. However, as we learn later, that's not necessarily true. Uh, Spider-Man goes to hunt down more exiles and runs into Max Dillon, Electro, who is sucking power out of the out of some like power station in the woods and. His power suck makes him uh, handsome, which I thought was funny. It took the blue away and his like his fucked up hairline and his teeth and like made him look like Jamie Foxx. <laughs> yeah. I love that so- somebody asked that, like, what happened? Like, what's with the glow up? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm also, I give him credit. They do like acknowledge it. Like, it's not like they're like hiding from it. They do acknowledge it, which I, I liked a lot. This film was not was more than willing to acknowledge a lot of points that fans would point out anyway yeah that was cool I, I enjoyed that and while he's fighting electro sandman shows up and is like hey parker it's me flint marco i'm here to help <laughs> and he's like i don't know who you are but i'll take it <laughs> yeah i like how because i'm like oh yeah that's right they left on good terms within spider-man 3 so he's actually going to help spider-man but then it's like oh wait this isn't his spider-man 
Yeah. And he's immediately hostile over that. That made me laugh. He's like, what? You're not my Spider-Man. What the hell's going on? Who are you? Ah, he just turned. Like, he goes full Sandman over that brief little interaction, which was like, okay, that's a little forced, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, uh, it yeah. makes sense in a way. If, you know, if you've seen Spider-Man 3, he was kind of he was man quick to get emotional and react on his emotions. Well, it's also implied that, you know, their powers are driving them crazy. Like everyone's powers is making them insane, which could be accurate. Uh, and along the way, the lizard was captured as well. And he's still articulate. Everyone thinks he's a dinosaur. And well, when he talks, everyone's like, I didn't know you could talk. <laughs> and they all explain who they are. And uh, I love that uh, Sandman's the one who gives them the names Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus because he's like, I saw you on the news. Like, yeah, yeah logically, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then this is also when you find out again that you know, kind of really, I'm really just trying to poke out those who are complaining about the supposed exposition dumps. Yep. Um, when you find out that they all get pulled minutes before their deaths, because if you remember in the in these the films they were in, I think Maya Sandman, they all like these are main villains that died at the end of their respective movies. So, well, Lizard didn't die either. Okay, that's right, Lizard didn't die either. Yeah. But so you're, you now, you're now finding out they got pulled literally before their death. It did kind of bug me a little bit that we've got the makings of a Sinister Six here, but there was no sixth member. Yeah, but if I, I remember like I looked at like someone asked Faye, like, you have your thought about playing? And he was like, we had enough. Because the whole point was that at the end of the day, as much as they wanted to put in this movie, they wanted to keep it centered on Tom Holland, Spider-Man. So to them, it was like a striking a balance of like, you know, putting enough in that services the story, but still making sure that we are giving it, it is a Tom Holland Spider-Man, which I completely understand. Five villains is perfectly balanced. A sixth? Oh, that's overkill. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> How about you just take what you got and stop bitching? Oh, wow. Okay, fine. All right. Stop. All bitching. right. That's Fine, Mr. Mr. Nicholas Cage Pig Award. Fine. I'll stop bitching. No, that that that's a rightful bitch. Yours is just you're being petty. Sir. I just think it's you, you got the sinister five here. Like one more, like it doesn't even need to be. I mean, you it could have been the vulture, could have been fucking Mysterio. Sinister six. It's okay. Ugh, it's 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 I, okay. Fuck you. Okay. Let's uh let's backtrack. So Norman finds his way. To Aunt May with uh, her feast organization, which cool that they're featuring that. That's an obvious tie to Miles Morales, who we keep getting hints at. Um, and she is like, "Hey, this is Norman Osborn." They're like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, "No, I'm I'm okay now." <laughs> he's so calm. He's like, "Yeah, I, I can help." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, look, we'll get more into it as we go. But like, I just I really want to applaud. Um, William Defoe in this movie, like he, to me, out of all the villains, him and um Alfred Molina with standouts, especially Defoe. Like, goddamn, like it's almost like I know I remember you guys talked about it with the original. Like he was really wanting the role, he really lobby hard for it, so he clearly cares about the character. You can tell in this movie he is so happy to be playing this character again, to be back, and it shows his performance because he, to me, is a fucking standout in this movie. I was reading into it and he, he was on board before they even finished the pitch. And he said he would come back as long as he was able to do his own stunts again. So 66 years old, 
Defoe is in the action. He's in the suit. He's he is the goblin again. So wait, those really I mean, we'll get to those scenes, but those impressive fucking action scenes with like him actually doing those stunts. That's him. Yes. Holy shit! I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Willem Defoe is a goddamn trooper. Uh, so yeah, so- I just had to I just had to quickly bring them up. I couldn't go too long without saying I just he really. Everyone's good in this, but he really fucking impressed me even more. Like he, it was like, yeah, you could just tell he was fucking ecstatic to be back, and it showed in his performance. Big time. I yeah, I was blown away. How cool was it that he was the perfect Green Goblin for Tobey Maguire and for Tom Holland? Like, he's just the guy. I I wanted to see him face off. You know, fucking superimpose him onto Dane Dehan in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and he'll be the perfect Goblin for Andrew Garfield too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so after seeing how fucked up Norman is, uh, Peter's like, well, maybe we don't have to, you know, send them to their deaths. Maybe we can fix these guys. And Dr. Strange is like, no, we, this is their fate. This is, they signed up for this. This is who they're supposed to be. We got to send them home. They're not supposed to be here. And Peter's like, well, sorry about this and steals the cube and has a big old mystical fight with dr strange yeah which is one of the most visually impressive things i've seen in like my entire year holy fuck that was epic the whole mirror dimension the train fight over the grand canyon and then peter fucking beating him yeah all by using math like yeah he figured out the mirror dimension using geometry webbed up dr strange took his sling ring and left him in the mirror dimension and (laughs) if this is any indication of where we're going in dr strange 2 Bring it on, because holy, I'm, I'm like, honestly, fucking visually impressive sequence. Yeah, it was remarkable. Uh, so Peter takes all of the, uh, talks to the villains. And, oh, yeah. Because it's going to play later. Not yeah. only does he get the cube back, something else comes with him after his fight with Strange. The ring that goes to. Oh, um, yes. Ned gets the ring. Ned. Yeah, let's not forget that, because guess what, folks? I know you've probably seen the movie, but it does lead to another fucking (laughs) moment, so don't forget that. A moment I was sure was happening, but was also slightly worried wasn't happening. You know what I mean? Yes. And then it happened, and I'm like, God bless you. God bless you all. I can't believe it. We'll get to it, though. Um, (laughs) Hands down, maybe the most incredible moment I've ever seen on the movie, like on the big screen. Okay. Uh, We'll get, so, we'll get deeper into as we get there. I, I, I couldn't just remember that that also happens. Yeah. Okay. So Ned's got the sling ring and it's, it's a little sparky. Clearly Ned's got some, he mentions like his, he tells Dr. Strange, like my mom, there's magic in my blood and I, my hands are always shaking. He's like, you should see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Consult I your physician. I want to point out Ned has been one of my favorite characters in this trilogy. He's so he's so wholesome. He's such a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy in the chair. I love when he was with the cops and he's spilling everything. I'm just the guy in the chair. I'm like, Ned, shut up. Stop. I love I love that MJ was like stonewalling them straight up. She's like, I'm not saying a word. You can't break me. I'll break you first. <laughs> she, I have loved Zendaya's MJ. She's such a great her chemistry with, with Tom Holland <laughs> is fantastic. I, I love that relationship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like the little reveal that her last name really is Watson. Yeah. She just <laughs> doesn't go by it. It's awesome. Yeah. 
it's like the producers, it's Feige saying, like, if you're still looking for Mary Jane, it's her. Stop looking. <laughs> um, so Peter now in control of the cube and without Dr. Strange to worry about. Uh, I love that Wong didn't show up to fix that because he's probably like, yeah, he needs a timeout. Wong <laughs> <laughs> was probably just like, nope, this needs to happen. I've been wanting this to happen. <laughs> Yeah, all the arrogance, all the blustering, and he gets his ass handed to him by a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So Peter tells the villains, like, look, I can, I can try and fix you. You don't need to be like this. We can help you. Then we can send you home, and maybe you won't die. And they're all, like, begrudgingly, like, rah, rah, rah. I'm surprised he was so quick to let them out, and none of them tried to kill him immediately. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I got Doc Ock because he was keeping control of those arms, which led to a lot of funny moments of like him just being like the grumpiest human being because he didn't have control of his arms. I love seeing uh, Doc Ock and the Goblin interact. Like Norman, Otto, like they knew each other. And that was cool alone. Just that was neat. Yeah. Um, so he takes them to Happy's house. And Happy, I love Happy. He's like, I was looking at my doorbell camera, and who the hell are those guys? <laughs> I like when, brought like a squid he, into my apartment. Like when he was FaceTiming MJ, and you can hear Happy in the background, can you guys stop from trying to sleep? With the apnea mask and everything. <laughs> she says, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, I love when Peter went to talk, to, like went to school, and his teachers were there like, hey, uh, you can do whatever you want. Feel free to web sling to class. And Hannibal Burris is like, you're a killer. Mysterio was right. <laughs> Don't listen to him. He's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so the villains in Happy's house, uh, he just, he, Peter and uh, Norman, oh, first, like Norman's like, I can help. And he gives that line from the first movie again. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. My theater got a chuckle from that one. Yeah. Uh, he and Peter build a new inhibitor chip for Doc Ock. And Norman's like, you know, at the end of this, like, if you want a job and you want to commute to another universe, like, he's impressed. Yeah. And it was cool to see Norman have kind of a zeal for science again, even if that, if that really was Norman. Yeah. As we're about to find out, I, I wonder how long for sod was being made yeah so they put the chip on doc Ock, and doc Ock's like don't you touch me like he's super pissed and angry and then the chip goes on and he's like the voices have stopped i'm free it was it was a nice moment like otto yeah. octavius was free and he's like what do you need i can i'll help you with anything you need let's do this like that was nice like yeah he's fully on board and again this is to me or as I really was liking our familiar when he popped back up at first, this is when I really even started liking him more. Because you're seeing a Doc Ock that's genuinely has is full of regret over what he's done. Yeah. And is wanting to atone for it. And it's a very interesting angle to me to take with them. Yeah. They did, um, the machine, the fabricator, is run by an arc reactor. And Electro is like, oh, that looks tasty. And that'll come into play later. Uh, Sandman's just chilling on the couch, getting everything all sandy, and the lizard's waiting outside in the car. 
I like when Sam is trying to wipe the sand off the couch and he just keeps adding more because of his hand. That's funny. Oh, boy. Um, so at some point, Norman drops the facade and the Green Goblin's like, did you really think I'd let you take, like, like kill me, erase me from Norman? Like, I am the best parts of Norman. You can't kill me. It was such a great moment. He adapts the voice and everything again. It's just like, oh. A fucking cackle, man. Like, this is, I love, he doesn't, he never needed the mask to be the Green Goblin. He, he Defoe already looks like a fucking goblin. <laughs> He's already got the features of a monster. And I love that they embraced that. And he's still got the suit on underneath and he puts on like a hoodie and he looks like a little bit more comic accurate Green Goblin. And yeah, I thought that I, was cool. I know. I like how they kind of subtly started to make him more like a little bit more comic accurate. Yeah. And he convinces the villains like we don't need to be fixed. We're gods. And he like throws Ock out the fucking window. <laughs> that was crazy. I liked uh, you better when they controlled you. Yeah. <laughs> And Electra and I love Jameson's outside. Like, did you see that? It's the guy from the from the from the road earlier for the bridge. And Electro like takes that. off. They're the, inside. I like me yeah. like this guy's like they're inside. Inside, we're outside. <laughs> I told you to follow them. I was laughing my ass off when Jameson started like promoting Daily Bugle supplements. Like it's it's he's fucking Alex Jones. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Electro takes off the inhibitor, steals the arc reactor, Sandman gets Sandy and Lizard breaks out of the truck and James is like, did you see that? <laughs> uh, and now Peter has to deal with the first, uh, the biggest consequence or not the big, actually shit gets bigger later. The first big consequence of his actions. After a super impressive fight scene with Green Goblin. Yeah, through the, through the building. Ever, yeah, he kicks his ever-loving ass. I remember I... My thing was actually freaking out, like like going like, oh, when he was like trunking him through the fucking floor and stuff. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> it's epic. And it's you feel like there's decades of history between this goblin and this Spider-Man, but they just met. But it's just, you know, it the history of the characters is kind of absorbed into their relationship here. It's weird, but it yeah. just works. And ultimately it ends with Green Goblin killing Aunt May, which is huge. And at first you think, oh, she's she's all right, but she's bleeding out and she uses her final moments to tell Peter Parker with great power comes great responsibility. And I about to the moment the moment she said that line, myself and the rest of the theater got quiet because it's like you it was like everyone knew, oh fuck. Because we have been trained with Uncle Ben. That when that line is said, something's going to happen. And I I don't know about your theory. I remember when this scene happened, man. The way they look, there was no cheering when she said the line. It was just sadness because then she says it and she dies. I remember the whole theater, you could hear a pin drop got quiet. Yeah. And you could actually, I remember there was a girl in front of us sobbing during this scene. I mean, sobbing. And you could hear other people. Like, it was like, I was firing my own six. You could hear people fucking crying in the theater. And again, this is why I had to point out that thing about the directors. Like, go go fuck yourself. For all you directors that say, like, this isn't cinema. This isn't art. I've never been in a theater that had this much cheering. And then had, like, this part right here happen. And everyone is quiet and 
you can hear crying and like it's seriously affecting it impact theater of people it was tom holland's reaction to it the disbelief the like just wake up just talk to me like he couldn't understand um, that she was dead until it was like his, it hit him and he just collapsed his performance there was fucking like look i've look i've really enjoyed tom holland as spider-man but he he knocks out of the park in this movie in this scene he fucking delivers and you're right it, his reaction is what sells it because I, I I was starting to, and that's actually when I was really having to fight like the tears when when he was like just wake up because it's like he it's like his his it's you can you know for those of you who have gone through loss it's like you know that that's the stage of where you're not accepting what you're seeing if you know very well what's happening but you don't want to accept it you're just like no no please don't like wake up <sighs> yeah. It's done very well, very tastefully, and you feel the the stakes. Austin was talking to me about this, and he said, like, his favorite thing about this movie was that it had fucking consequences. That, like, it, it wasn't just wrapped up nicely in a bow. Like, people died. People's lives were irreversibly changed because of Peter's rash decision to do this, and he's going to have to live with that. <sighs> yes, and, but at the same time, when we, when we get to the end of it, <coughs> sorry, I think this is a film that out of the whole trilogy of Tom Holland films shows you how selfless he is. Yeah. Because even when he goes to make his decision with Dr. Strange at the beginning of this movie, he's, if you catch his wording, it's not for him. Yeah. Because of his friends, he, he feels so hurt that they didn't go because of their association with him. He didn't go there for himself. He went for his friends. So yeah. yes, at the same time, you're seeing, like Austin said, you are seeing the consequences of a very rash act, action a kid made. But you're also in this film really seeing how selfless he is and why he is Spider-Man, why we've come to love this character so much. Yeah, you're right. So before this, uh, Peter had given MJ the box. So MJ and Ned have the box and Peter has disappeared. And they're like, how do we find it? <laughs> so they, Ned, who's got some kind of affinity for magic, uh, says like you know i wish we could see him and opens a portal by accident is like find peter parker and they open a portal to peter parker and you can see him from far away and he gets closer to the camera and we're like wait a minute <laughs> that's that's not oh my god oh my god mm-hmm. and who should jump through the fucking portal but andrew garfield <laughs> now before we go further i won't give you the play by play if i'm how audience reacted to this because i want to hear her i'm sure yours was the same the moment he started playing with that fucking thing in the kitchen, the, yeah, I heard everyone else went, oh. And then when MJ's like, do it again. And he started opening the audience. You could hear our audience be like, oh, like people were like, the, the, there was a lead up. I mean, a literal lead up, right? And you see him in the fucking distance and the crowd starts just going, yeah. Like people are starting to lose it. And he gets closer, and it's like people. Are, it's like literally, like, I've never been in this moment. Like the yeahs and the clapping and the cheering is getting louder and louder and louder as he's getting closer. I will never forget when he stepped through that portal. He took off his mask, and it was revealed Andrew Garfield. I watched the theater as if they're at a concert. People would jump out of their fucking seats and just go yeah and clap. I couldn't understand a fucking thing coming out of his mouth for the first couple of lines. Because I mean, people were losing their like. That's how energetic and excited people were. Like, I I watched the theater get up mm. to cheer and scream in excitement. 
That's amazing. That's beautiful. And it warranted that the years of speculation, the lying to the press, the lying to everybody, the, you know, oh, that's fake. All the leaks. And now Andrew Garfield gets to breathe a fucking sigh of relief and be like, yeah, I was in it the whole time, fuckers. But yeah, my theater wasn't the buildup. But as soon as the mask came off, everyone lost their shit. We, we applauded independently and we're like, yes. And it was such a great moment. It was like, it was match. It was like build up. I mean, you could hear the, oh, and like people were losing. As soon as they saw him in the distance, like you start hearing the first couple, like, yeah, oh. And I mean, the moment that mask came off, I mean, I've never seen it before. Like, I watched like rows of people in the air just fucking stand up and like fists were pumping in the air. People were clapping to her, just like, yeah. Like, and that was for Andrew Garfield. I will tell you on the next one what happened. But what I, so after watching the Amazing Spider-Man movies for this rewatch I did for this movie, I'm so glad I watched those because now I, I really like his Spider-Man for different reasons. And I've also really grown to like Andrew Garfield as an actor. So seeing him again made me smile. And this movie made his movies count. And that's yeah. that's my favorite thing about it. And I'll, uh, I'll, we'll get into it more as we go along. But like, you know, like I, you know, kind of having a couple years of me for it, I do really like him in as well in Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Like, and I think he fucking is great in this movie. I just think he got saddled with bad films. It's kind of like, I feel like Henry Cavill, 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 sorry, as Superman, right? I thought he was great, but he got saddled with bad films. Same thing with Andrew Goffer. I don't think he got the best films, but I think he was really good and he fucking brings it in this movie. Yeah. Oh, you know, him and Toby both had to just like show up for like a brief cameo and we would have been fine, but they're significant characters in the second half of the movie. And that was just like, you didn't need to do this, but you did it for us. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, Andrew Garfield shows up and is like, I'm Peter Parker from another world. Like, I know what's going on. We got to fix this. And they're like, prove it. And he's like, what, prove it. Like, what What prove it? And like, he sticks to the ceiling and they're like, that's not enough. Oh, yeah. And then the grandma, can, what'd she say? She wants you to clean the spider web over there. <laughs> so he crawls up on the wall and he's like, all right. they're like, all right, fine. I'll, acceptable for now. And then they're like, we got we to gotta find our Peter. So try it again, Ned. And Ned opens another portal. And who should walk through that portal but Toby Maguire? Yes. And again, my theater had fucking lead up. So the theater was pr- fucking pumped already, right? The moment MJ says, hey, can you tr- like try it again? Again, I heard the theater go, oh, oh. Like, and actually, like, even more excited, I would say. Like, people were like, oh, shit. Okay, okay. And then, like, he starts doing it. And people were just like, you hear it, the same suspicion. Oh, the moment Toby Maguire stepped through that fucking portal, same reaction but longer like people were just like fuck yeah like i was i i lost it on that one i, I was probably proud of that one because we all know how much i love the tournament of spider-man films yeah so, like, i was even getting up like yeah fuck it. like again couldn't understand a fucking thing tournament McGraw was saying at first because the audience like cheered for the longest time when he came on screen i yeah i i cheered for that big time i i was I had a moment of like, this is real. Like this is it, speculation's over. Like this is happening. Three, we're getting all three Spider-Men together. And I, I, I couldn't believe, I just thought about the amount of work that went into making this happen. And I, I couldn't believe it. The fact that they were both on board, that there was like, there wasn't animosity that they were like, everyone was willing to, and happy to do this. I, I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah. Uh, Maybe think like, what else are they going to do in the future? Like, are we going to have like, you know, X-Men cameos? Is Wesley Snipes Blade going to show up at some point? Like fucking anything can happen now. Yeah. Um, I did like when he stepped through and they're getting ready to say the prove it and their spidey senses are tingling on each other <laughs> and they fucking shoot. And the crowd lost it on that scene too when they shot at each other. Like my crowd was like so fucking excited, man. Cause like as soon as they're looking in the whole crowd's like, oh, and then when they shot each other, the whole crowd went, ah, like they <laughs> fucking lost it again. So they find now, all right, they, they figure out where Tom Holland is and he's on some building crying. MJ and Ned show up out of nowhere and MJ and they just hug, hug him and it's a very sweet moment. And MJ says, like, there's somebody here to see you. And the camera pans over and Toby and Andrew are on like a water tower and they come down and it's like, oh, my theater, my theater literally lost it on that scene, too. They're like, hey, Peter. And he's like, hi, Peters. Like, they just know instinctively, like, oh, of course. And they start talking about loss and, um, Tom Holland says, you know, it's my fault. And Andrew Garfield's like, I, you know, I lost Gwen. It was my fault. And Peter, Toby's like, I lost Uncle Ben. It was my fault. Like, they all have this. Yeah. And well, what, what I like about this scene is, God damn, um, Andrew Garfield's acting. When he talks about Gwen Stacy, I was feeling it. I even, I, the whole theater went, oh, like when he was talking, cause like you, it's like, holy shit. Like he's talking about when Stacy, like that. God, like, well, and, and he, like, how, yeah. He talked about how after that happened, like it poisoned him, it corrupted him, it made him dark. He stopped pulling his punches. And I'm like, he fucking killed Harry, didn't he? Like he found the Green Goblin, he found him and he killed him. Like, I think that's what happened. Like we never, we're never going to see that regrettably, or maybe we will now. I don't know, but um, I kind of hope we don't though. This was a good closure for both of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Toby starts talking about uncle Ben and, and, and Tom Holland says, you know, with her last breath, she said to me with great power and Toby finishes it comes great responsibility. Like uncle Ben said that. And they all have this moment of like what it means to be Spider-Man. And it was, it was so touching. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was really like, look, and we'll get into the more because there's a lot of scenes with them. The way they handle all three of them when they're together was just fucking great. The way it's like how they did certain things, we'll get into how they were honoring their various movie franchises. Like, it's just, it was perfect. The way this was handled was so fucking perfect. It's great. There were little music moments where they each got a little bit of their theme, and that, oh, God <laughs> damn. So they all mutually decide, like, let's cure them and do this right. So they all decide to work together as brilliant scientists and figure out a cure. I love Andrew's like, well, I cured Lizard once. I can do it again. Leave that one to me. Yeah. Which, which led to some of the biggest fucking funny scenes to me here from when Ned asked Toby McGar, oh, you had a best friend? Toby McGar, yes. He died in my arms. After he tried to kill me, and Ned's looking just, and then when he goes up to Tom Holland, like I promise you, I won't turn into a supervillain and try to kill you. <laughs> I love uh, Tom and Andrew's reaction to Toby's organic webs, and they're like, "How does that even work? Does it does it come out of just your wrists, or like anywhere Tom else?" Tom Holland, is it just your wrist? Or... I love Andrew's like, "How the hell does that even?" Like he's like. <laughs> Right up in his grill, like, how does this work? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I like, also like web when, fluid. What is that? 
<laughs> when Ned was like, Peter, yes? And they all turned around. No, Peter Parker, still same well, name. Andrew Garfield was the best. He's just like, no, we're all, see, we're all Peter. He's like, no, Peter Parker. No, see, that still doesn't work because we're also all Parker. <laughs> God, this was such a beautiful, like a fantastic movie. Um, all right, so they come up with their cures and they go to the Statue of Liberty, which is getting a Captain America shield installed on it, which I, when I was like, that's a bit much. <laughs> Um, and freedom, God damn it. Yeah, all the villains show up and they realize, you know, they're not great working as a team. But I love before that, they get to talk a little bit about some of their exploits. And they're like, what's the weirdest villain you fought? And Toby's like, well, I fought an alien made of black goo once. And Tom's like, well, I've, I fought an alien too, but he was in space and purple. And Andrew's like, I want to fight an alien. I fought a guy in a rhino suit once. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still hung up on like you were in space. You were in space. <laughs> and then that's also we got to, to talk about his old gaming webs. <laughs> I oh god, that and then when they were like when they found out like they're not working great as a team and Tom Holland. No, I've been on a team before, okay. I was in the Avengers <laughs> Andrew Gar- I know talking about like that's awesome. What is that? You were in the Avengers. <laughs> that's fantastic. What is it? <laughs> were you in a band (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's so many moments so they talk it through and they're like let's take them on one at a time so they take on uh i think lizard first or sandman first after this part when they because my crowd fucking cheered nonstop on this part when they put all their masks on, oh. and they fucking run in tandem and they fucking fly in there and you see them swing and they're doing the poses and they land. My crowd lost their shit. Like, that was such a fucking stellar moment. I want that as a poster. That was so cool. Just seeing the Spider-Man together. Oh, and the suits haven't changed. Like, it, it was so good. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing people, like, laughed at was when... Tony McGrawers like they're like, are you going to keep looking like that or like yeah, you like are you going movie? into battle dressed as a cool youth pastor or do you have something <laughs> he pulls down the collar? <laughs> yeah, dude, my audience was like laughing, cheering at the same time on that because it was like, ah. Oh. I love when they were they were talking about relationships and um, Andrew Garfield's like, no, I like after Gwen there was nobody. I can't you know be Spider Man and still have that. And Toby's like, well, me and MJ made it work. And that was nice to know that they made it work. Yeah, like, it was good to get that because Spider-Man 3 left on such a weird note. That it was it was good to get that. Like, okay, they made it work. Yes. I think they're, you know, they're probably married, maybe a couple kids. Mm-hmm. I like to think that they they're they're good. Yeah. And somewhere somewhere down the line, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's gonna find his MJ too. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, satisfying. The moment that made me tear up the most was when. MJ falls off the building. Tom can't get her. And Andrew Garfield saves her and has that moment of like, are you okay? And he's crying. Cause he's like, he couldn't save Gwen, but he saved her. Yes. And oh. that, I want, yes. And that was, again, you're talking about like how they were servicing these various Spider-Man in their franchises. That was one of the best ways to me, like right there, not just like, I, I want to wait till we got here to talk about that. But, like, you know, along with, like, obviously using the musical stings and, like, having them have their suits and making those callbacks, like him having the suit on underneath the shirt. But having that moment 
giving Andrew Garfield that fucking redemption. Yeah. And then to the point that, like, and again, this was another moment in my theater where people fucking lost it. I mean, the moment Green Goblin hit Tom Holland, the whole audience went, <gasps> and then you see Andrew Garfield, and the moment he flew off, I mean, the audience was immediately going, yeah! Like, people were fucking losing it, and when they caught him, like, there were cheers, there was applause, like, we were literally like, yeah, you did it! Fuck yeah! And yeah, the moment you see him ask, you're okay, and he starts crying, you're like, oh man, it's him. And then I think she even asked, like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Like, oh, like he, he did it. He fucking did it this time. The MCU canon has changed. If you're going to do an MCU rewatch, you have to start in 2002 and you have to include the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. It all counts now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, yeah, that, again, talking about that man, giving him that moment was so fucking great. Yeah. Oh, my God. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so I love when they're talking to their individual villains, like, you know, Andrew Garfield's like, hey, Max, long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Toby's talking to Flint and cures Sandman. And it was cool seeing Thomas Hayden Church be Thomas Hayden Church again. Yeah. And then uh, Toby'd be like, hey, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Curing Lizard again. Uh, I love when, what was it? It's when Electro and uh, like Electro's going to kill two Spider-Man and Doc, sh- Doc shows up and is like, it's mine. Like, they're mine. And grabs them and then puts them down and takes the arc reactor from Electro. It's like, yes, he's a good guy now. Yeah. And then you get, <laughs> again, you know, you, another great fucking moment for Spider-Man fans that when Doc, you know, Doc Ock and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man meet and they play the song. I caught him immediately. Play the fucking theme song. So he's like, Doc? And you hear him go, Peter? And like, you can tell they have him that moment of like, it's me again. It's like, you did it. Like, thank you. Well, if Ak was like, you're grown up. Like, how are you? Like, he was genuinely like, it's my friend, Peter. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so satisfying. Uh, did you also, did you lose your shit when the goblin fucking ripped off one of Ak's arms? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, yeah. So it was cool seeing Reese Iffins as Lizard again. I was pretty sure he was going to bail out. But he was there. Uh, and they all get cured. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when he cured Matt, uh, Electro, and then they made their, again, like their 20th Miles Morales reference when he's like, I thought there'd be a black Spider Man at least. I love that. Like, you're a kid from Queens. You protect the neighborhood. Like, I thought you were black. And I love Andrew Garfield's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, he was so like, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> And Electra is like, it's all right. There's probably a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. Yeah. Wink, wink at the camera. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I love how, like, at first she's like, you're not going to hurt me, are you, Max? Like, he's really cautious. No, no, okay. You sure about that? <laughs> I guess it really was their powers that were making them crazy. Uh, yeah, that was that was great. And then the Green Goblin shows up, and all three Spider-Men are fucked. Because <laughs> this guy's a monster. He's fucking psycho. Yeah. Just you hear hearing the cackle and the like barrage of pump. what does he say? Can Spider-Man come out to play? Does he say that? I think so, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> and the, the the razor pumpkins fly out of the glider. Oh Dr. Strange pops up here. And because remember because Lizard's about to attack Ned because he can't close the fucking thing. <laughs> I love when Dr. Strange shows up and is like, where is he? <laughs> 
think he wants to kick some spider ass. <laughs> There's all this shit going on. And he's just like, where is Ellen? He's like, I was stuck above the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. Oh, God. And yeah. To, but I like when they finally convince him he's getting ready to hit it. And they're like, no, 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 just look. And he kind of looks and he has that moment where he's like, oh, shit. His plan is working. I love when he looks at Ned. He's like, you were making portals? It's like, yeah. He's like, hmm. He's going to remember that. Yeah. Like, you can tell that, like, you know, you can tell that moment he's thinking, I may have underestimated these kids. So in the comics, Ned Leeds is brainwashed and becomes the Hobgoblin. And I wonder if they're going to do something like that. Maybe like a magic Hobgoblin. Maybe. That'd be interesting. Um, But yeah, and then this is where things get more complicated as well for the Spider-Man, not just with the rival Green Goblin. Oof. Yeah, the universe is literally ripping apart at, as the floodgates prepare to enter from every conceivable multiverse. Anybody who knows Peter is Spider-Man. I love you get outlines of Scorpion, Black Cat, Craven the Hunter, like so many cool. Yeah. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and all because Green Goblin left a fucking bomb in that thing. Yeah. Christ. So Strange is trying to seal those while tom is beating the ever-loving piss out of norman osborne which yeah i'll say that was another fucking fan reaction i had in my theater when they were like when he was kicking his ass that time oh my god i could hear my theater they were like oh like it was like we're watching a fucking like ufc fight like everyone's like (laughs) responding to it in that fashion Uh, when he picks up that when tom picks up the glider and is going to just stab his ass and toby gets in the way it's like, no, like we're better than this. Yeah. And then Norman stabs him. Which, again, my audience, I've never heard everyone. I heard the most collective no's of my life. As soon as he got stabbed, I heard lawyers go, no. Like, everyone was like, no, 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 no. I was so and sure he I was hear, dead. I hear as soon as it happened and it got quiet, this one guy in the back, kill that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, so the three Spider-Men in tandem, you you know, get the cure to Tom and he, I think, is it Tom who, who injects him? Yeah, because Garfield, because all watching him do this and, you know, Osborne has his fucking speech to him and his fucking creepy as shit and good. And he throws the thing to Tom. Tom Holland grabs it and fucking injects it into his neck. Yeah, I love that when Norman wakes up, the first <coughs> thing he says is, what have I done? Like, ah. Oh. And then I love Toby's. It's like, it's okay. I've been stabbed before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's just, Garfield goes over there. He's like, you okay? I love when there's, like, he, to, you know, Andrew's got Toby, like, holding him up. And they're, like, looking, you know, off in the distance. And Andrew's just like, you're in a lot of pain right now. And he's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and just kind of limp away. <laughs> But that strange tells Tom, like, I can't stop this. Like the universe is ripping apart. There's nothing to do here. And Tom's like, well, what if we erase me? Like, what if we say tell, you know, cast a new spell that everyone forgets who <laughs> Parker is, then there's nobody to come through the portals. And strange is like, well, that'll work. But like, at what cost? And Peter's like, it's okay. Like, it's sad then, as hell. Yeah. But it's, and this is what I'm talking about from earlier. Like it really shows again his selflessness and why we love this character so much. 
Yeah. You have the beginning. He's doing this purely for his friends, not for him. Yep. And then we get to the end, and they've exhausted all options. And he knows that the only thing to stop this is that. That's the only way to stop it. There is no other way. He's willing to do it. He doesn't want to, but he's willing to do it. And you can even see it again. Doctor Strange, I give Brandon Cumberbatch. She has a lot of really good act, like non-speaking acting moments here in this movie. And you see it in his eyes. You can see his look. It's like he, I don't want to do this spell because I've throughout, you know, you left me hanging on the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it's like you've done a fucking hell of a job, kid. Like you, you, you're Spider-Man. You're an Avenger. Like I don't want to do this to you. And you can kind of you feel it, like you feel it in like just seeing Benny Cumberbatch's look and his his eyes say it all, like how much he doesn't want to fucking do it, but is almost yeah. like impressed with the kind of selfless act it takes to do something like that. I love well, you know, Tom's super tearful goodbye to MJ and Ned was was really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And you know, them being so sure that they'll never forget him, like you know, find us, like we're gonna we're gonna be fine. And then the, the spell is cast and nothing. Yeah, he, Happy he, doesn't remember him. Like nobody. When he gets his, he gets his goodbye with uh, the Spider-Man as well. Yeah. Taken Hugs back. him like brothers. Oh, mm. shit. This is so good. Yeah. Uh, when the spell's cast, everyone goes home. Um, and Peter, you know, goes to the, um, the, like the bakery where MJ works and tries to, you know, tell her everything, but can't do it because she got into MIT and he doesn't want to doesn't want to ruin it. Doesn't want to ruin her life. No. And she and Ned are still friends. And, yeah. God, and can then, you uh, imagine a world where nobody knows who you are? Yeah, especially if Tim Kelly, he's his aunt is still dead. He has no one. Yeah. Um, I think to me, like that scene hurt, but also I think what hurt I think a little bit more, just because how they did it, was when he went to Aunt May's grave and Happy comes there and he starts talking to him. You're thinking, oh, shit, Happy remembers him. Happy knows. And then he looks at him and goes, how do you know her? And it's like, I remember my heart sank when he said that. I'm like, oh. Well, then they connected briefly. You know, Peter's like, she's never gone. She helps so many people and they're going to help people. And that's what matters. And Happy's like, you know, good luck, kid. And Peter gets an apartment. I'd like to imagine Ditkovich is his re- landlord, constantly yelling rent. I, ho- I like to hope he crossed over somehow. And, and um, Peter makes a new costume out of you know with MJ with uh, Aunt May's sewing machine, and it's the comic accurate like blue and red costume, which I was that made me smile. Yeah. Oh yeah. The theater when uh, he gets out the window and he starts screaming like there was clapping. There was like oh. As to, you know, and like, I gotta give, like, I'm gonna give Marvel a lot of credit, and not just on this movie in general. Like, we'll get that as we wrap it up. But for right now, it's kind of on this ending. I give them credit. Like, Spider-Man films in the past have ended on a slightly, you know, sad note. It's not really uncommon, let's just be honest. Yeah. But like, I think this one more than ever, to me, hit the hardest because you really, yes, they're clearly putting it, the status quo back in Spider-Man. It's like, it's almost like they're like, look, we hear you guys. We know you're like, it's not really a friendly neighborhood if you have Stark's technology. But it was almost like they were like, just calm down, just wait. Yeah. And we got there. We now have Spider-Man that people know and love, where he does make his own suits. He doesn't have the help of the Avengers and stuff like that. But like, 
in doing that, it just like I I think out of all the endings, despite this to me was most like sad and depressing, just having no one remembering him literally being on his own. Like no not even Aunt May. So at least in the other ones there was Aunt May. And God damn, even the Spider-Man video game. Um spoilers for anyone who hasn't played that fucking game yet. So if you're on this long, sorry. Uh but you know, you played the game, right? Oh yeah. I played that okay, game. Yeah. Aunt May dies at the end of that game. But at least he stars MJ in the game, like the game ward. So it's like he, you know, you you've literally done it where Spider-Man has no one. And it's it to me, it's it 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 works. Like it's very depressing in it, but it works so well. But we also get a helpful, I mean not a help, hopeful tone at the end of like, yeah, well, now you know we've got a, a New York City with I mean, if you've been keeping up with all the MCU stuff, you know that Kingpin runs New York. You know that Matt Murdock is providing legal assistance to the helpless. You know that he's a really good lawyer. Yeah. You know that MJ and Ned are still in the city. You know that Peter's going to probably get a job working for the Daily Bugle in some capacity, although I don't know how the hell he needs a photographer in this universe. But it's Spider-Man now is working. You know, it's it's street level crime again. The Avengers level threats aren't going to be happening, most likely. So I think we're going to be getting some very interesting stories with the yeah. next batch of Spider-Man films. Yeah, I'm not like, like like I said, there was hope. I'm just saying I'm really impressed with, especially because I know a lot of people bitch about like Marvel not having consequences, not having stakes. Yeah, but this is a movie in general that really goes for it. It has stakes. It has like Austin said, it has consequences, and they fucking go for it in that ending. Yes, they're nice enough to give us hope, but not like how they do with other Marvel films. Like this was a very like dark fucking ending to go for and i applaud marvel for going for it i really really do marvel doesn't have stakes did these people not watch the movie where half the universe was obliterated and even when they came back the implications of that comeback were staggering yeah look man people online just like the bitch but yeah i'm just saying like again all i say is what i see online so like i personally do think marvel has stakes because i've seen fucking if anymore in endgame when I saw Endgame, I remember thinking, like, Marvel has peaked. There's no way they can top this. And here we fucking are. <laughs> yeah, I did not think we could fucking get any higher. And holy shit. Somehow Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man. And then, like, just a dude. Pandemic-proof, too. Holy fuck. Like, the box of like Ah. With that, uh, let's talk post credit scenes. So, first well, one. Scene, yeah. and then more of a scissor roll. But, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Eddie Brock is in a bar learning about the MCU. Like, purple guy who likes rocks? What are you talking about? And yeah, that, that Venom, was really funny. Venom's like, we've been here for hours, Eddie. <laughs> like just, and then all of a sudden, he gets zapped back to his universe. And at first, I was like, oh, damn, that's it? But then, little piece of symbiote. Still here in the yep. MCU. Uh, yeah, so, at first... Yeah, yeah, I was with you. I was like really on board with the scene. And then when he got zapped, I was like, oh, what? Then I was like, what was the point? And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. And you know what? I like it because as much as like, I think, it, I mean, obviously there's like the fan joy of going to see Tom Hardy's Venom go against Tom Holland's Spider-Man. At the same time, because that Sony universe that they're doing over there is kind of like just so different in its way from the MCU, it's probably best they did it like this. I don't think it would have worked as well as what they did by bringing in their Spider-Man. So I, I like how they said, okay, 
And to me, that's what I got, which was like, okay, look, we're keeping everything in its own fucking universe still. The multiverse exists, obviously, if you fully acknowledge that with this movie and the upcoming Doctor Strange movie, which we'll get more into in the next scissor roll here. Um, but what we can do to play with it, right, is that they'll stay in their pockets and then we can, every through story, you know, storytelling methods, they can come in and play with other stuff and we can have fun and and get to Marvel's credit, unlike DC that seems to not want to comprehend what a fucking multiverse is, they're willing to say, yeah, we can have Venom and have that franchise going with Tom Hardy's Venom, but we can also have an MCU Venom. That's no problem. I love that because now like this is going to grow into MCU's version of Venom. We're going to meet the MCU Eddie Brock. And now that Peter is in an especially vulnerable place right now is going to be prime real estate for that symbiote. And I also figured out, I was wondering, I, th- I, know, I thought it was a plot hole, but if my theory is correct, this is brilliant storytelling. Um, the spell brought everybody who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man into, the, into this universe. So how the hell did Eddie Brock end up here? Because he's never met Peter Parker. But I figured it out. At the end of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Venom tells Brock that the symbiotes are a hive mind that are have a shared consciousness and into, like knowledge across dimensions across universes and Topher Grace Eddie that venom knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man that's right and so that's- those symbiotes have a shared collective consciousness and that is what enabled venom not Brock but venom to come into the MCU mm-hmm. boom that's fucking genius Yes, and that probably is, which means we're going to get some good quips about Topher Grace's Venom down the line. He knows all about that shit. Oh my god, this that is- makes sense, and that probably is. I didn't even think about that because it's we've been, you know, we see Tom Hardy's mostly in those movies, but that would make sense because yeah, you're right. They talk about that. Whereas I mind they know about the they know about the multiverse, his Venom's race, and yeah, if that's the case, and and as this film establishes that those films are canon now. Yep. That, yeah, then yes, that that version of Venom is part of the hive mind, which means that version knew Peter, which means, of course, the thing would pull that version because that's the only known Venom version currently in this universe, right? That exists, so of course, it's going to pull that one through. Oh, brilliant. Um, so that was our first, sorry. Yeah. And also, if you remember at that post-credits scene in Venom 2, Venom recognized to an extent Spider-Man. Yeah, that guy looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some sort of recognition, not all the way, but it was there. <laughs> I can't wait to see this Tom get infected with the with with the symbiote and end up, or this not this Tom. There's only one Tom. This Spider-Man <laughs> get yeah. infected with with Venom and kind of be a little dark, and then yeah. I know about say I know what you mean because I said like like I mentioned earlier like if I were to pick the performances that stood out for me in this movie is hands down we own the phone Tom Holland <laughs> hands down <clears throat> after seeing what he was able to do performance wise with animated stuff and the reaction and the downfall and the aftermath of that I am definitely down to see if they are going to go on that route with leaving that little bit of Venom symbiote there and have many of the Dark Shoes Spider-Man again what they'll do with that because I think Tom Holland is going to bring it and it's it's funny because I remember you know it's funny with this movie like we were talking about Tom Holland and him kind of having 
<laughs> an unlucky break. <clears throat> an unlucky break so far outside of Spider-Man. This particular installment really, to me, shows his fucking acting range. And I, I know I, I never thought he was a bad actor, but holy fuck, does he show his range big time here. Um, yeah. And I, I and we'll get into it. I know we got like uh, another thing to do before we wrap everything up here. Um, but for the longest time, for me, right, Spider-Man 2 is always my personal favorite film in the entire fucking lore, like series of Spider-Man films, right? I've thought for years, nothing could be two, ever. Because two is damn near a 10 out of 10 film for me. Yeah. Then this film came out, and I was like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm eating my own damn words. <laughs> this film is like, you know, getting to eat three of your favorite foods at once. It's it's the ultimate Spider-Man movie. There's no other way to describe it. It's the Spider-Man movie. Uh, it celebrates 20 years of the character. Like it's that's what it is. This is a a movie made for everyone who's ever appreciated any of the Spider-Man movies. My my only negative, and it doesn't count against the movie, is that I wish we could live in a world where Stanley was alive to see this movie. Oh, buddy. I yeah. I, I absolutely, I was thinking about that, and I was like, God, do I wish Stanley was able to live long enough to see this and to see, because you know, like, he he knew what these characters meant to his fans, and he was very aware of that, and I would have loved nothing more than for him to be able to sit in the theater like I did, like, in the crowd what I did, and for him to experience that audience reaction and that love and excitement that everyone had, because I know that would have just meant the war to him. Yeah, it really would have. It really would have. And I like to think somewhere out there, he, he saw it and he smiled. And he just, you know, said Excelsior or some shit. Mm-hmm. Stan the man. It's free. Yeah. And I love it. It was dedicated to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, who yeah. created Spider-Man and enabled this amazing experience to be had by millions. Yeah. I had to stop myself there. I was trying to the tears coming but yeah i just i could tell of, man i could tell i've never seen you get that emotional i'm wow yeah, I'm impressed I, yeah we'll, we'll get into this talk more i mean spider-man i know for like i know how much i know you love the franchise a lot too and but i always know like i remember you told me like x-men was really like the the big one for you like your first real attraction to grow films was x-men mine was spider-man like the first movie and yeah. so like it's just really that's why i told people like tony grass really holds a special place in my heart because of how much i love those first two films so mm-hmm. it really meant a lot to see this happen. And that's why I say, like, I, I, I wish nothing more that had we could live in where Stanley got to see this and just see how much this meant to the fans. Yeah, you're right, man. This is, you know, this felt like uh, the culmination of my entire love of superhero movies. Like, it, you know, from the beginning, like everything I've ever watched has been building up to something like this being able to happen. It just... It, it it clicked. It was it was in a moment where I had a I had a, a reflective moment during the movie. Like this is this is for you know seven year old me, like who saw Spider Man for the first time. Like that's who this is for. And I'll be grateful to Marvel forever for doing this to me so many times, yeah. for giving me these moments over and over again to put the love and care into every single movie. It's it's amazing. I've never seen a franchise like this. I've never seen a studio care this much. It's amazing. Yeah. And dude, yeah, like you, like 
don't know, like the Marvels made me feel like a kid, but this one made me feel the most because I got to see, and I know I'm not the only one, I know there's a lot of people my age that grew up with Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but just thinking about, you know, in that theater, getting to see my Spider-Man on the big screen. So I've only seen the first film, like, you know, home video. So like getting to see him on the big screen, it brought it to her mind. Like as sad as it was, it was emotional. It was like, oh my God, I'm seeing Tobey Maguire in his suit on the big screen. Like I'm seeing my Spider-Man with the other ones. Like this is fucking awesome. And yeah, Marvel, that's why I said on my like, I don't know if my face, but like Marvel, thank you so much for this movie. Thank you for making me feel like a kid at the age of 20 fucking nine. Like I gotta say this on my birthday, which was extra fucking awesome. And yeah, I, this movie, like, I I can't, I'm so grateful for this film. So fucking grateful that we got this film. Oh, me too, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this forever. I'm gonna get like the best pot. I don't give a shit if it's gonna be a, it, oh, it's, it's Sony, so it won't be on Disney Plus anyway. I'm gonna buy this on, like, I might splurge for 4K for this one just because I wanna see this in the best possible quality for the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. So the, po- the final post credit scene is a uh, teaser for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which was really cool. Uh, Wanda, we're seeing her again. Strange doesn't want to talk about what happened in Westview, but we all know what happened in Westview. Uh, Mordo, looking a lot more like a supervillain these days, is there to make sure there are no more uh, sorcerers. <laughs> and uh, another Marvel M- on their MCU show apparently is coming into play that I didn't think was going to come into play. What if? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Evil Strange. Sorry, I forgot. Evil Strange. Yeah. Oh, I remember turning to, I saw with my mom, who's as much a superhero fan as I am, and she has not yet watched What If? And I'm like, you need to watch What If? She's like, oh, okay. But I I didn't think, like, I I knew that was going to be cool, but I didn't know that was going to be significant. No. So, yeah. What was his? Doctor Strange Supreme, I think he was called. I think so, yeah. He's going to be there to... Yeah. Oh, God. I wonder if we're going to see, like, down the road, are we going to see, like, Super Ultron in live Maybe. action? I don't know. Like, I, you know, I've been, like, kind of mixing, like, these MCU shows and seeing, like, how they would play. But between, you know, one, two of, like, Hawkeye and then spider-man and now i'm getting what if and spider-man it's like okay it's like i almost wasn't like mama i'm sorry i doubted you because holy shit everything just clicked into place with this movie and with what they're apparently going to be doing with dr strange which keeping up the spider-man uh connection folks is being directed by sam fucking Raimi, the director of the original three spider-man films so Fuck yeah. Not only am I getting not am I getting fucking Toby McGuire Spider-Man on the big screen, I get to see, because again, I watched first those first three on DVD. I get to see Sam Raimi. As long as everything goes well, I will be seeing Sam Raimi directed MCU, a Marvel film on the big fucking screen. I couldn't be more excited. And it's supposed to be a more horror-tinged one. So fuck yeah. Well, I read recently that the reshoots are finished and they added a lot more cameos. So I hear cameos, I hear multiverse. I'm like, what could happen here? I'm waiting for, I, we're, I think we're close within five years of, of the X-Men. 
Oh, and yeah. I, I'm hoping that's what we get to see in some capacity. Well, they, I know, like, from what I've heard, Marvel is do it's obviously going to do X Men, but they're just, I think, last I heard was that they said if they, the soonest you can expect it is when they get around, when they get to phase five of this series. Cause I, I, from what it's looking like, is that Fantastic Four might possibly end phase four because they've been very coy about Fantastic Four happening. Well, and Fantastic Four is directed by John Watts, the guy who did the Spider-Man home trilogy. So he's going to bring in, yeah, he's a golden boy at Marvel right now. I would think with this Spider-Man film, yes, he is. (laughs) Beautiful. So uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I mean, I am kind of spoiling a future sneak preview episode, but this is without a doubt the best fucking movie of the year there is no contest wow. <laughs> uh, say right now, 10 out of 10 easy 10, 10. easy 10. 10 easiest fastest 10 i've ever given yeah this was a 10 20 minutes into the movie <laughs> the second i saw daredevil i'm like it's a fucking 10 <laughs> oh boy yeah this is uh this is unreal this is an incredible movie i'm so glad we were able to talk about it uh so uh, to end this thing, um, we're going to rank the entire Spider-Man franchise worst to best. It's going to be pretty quick. It's been a long one. Uh, mm-hmm. s- since 2002, there have been nine theatrically released Spider-Man films. And uh, we worked together on this ranking. This is what we believe to be the worst to best Spider-Man ranking. And that does not mean we think any of these films are bad necessarily. These are just, you know, worst to best. Yeah, uh, there's probably yeah. only one film I consider bad. There's another one that most people hate. I kind of have a soft spot for, but I can admit it's not the best film in the franchise by any means. Yeah. Number nine, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, 2014. Spider-Man's lowest point, I think it's safe to say. And it's got nothing to do with Andrew Garfield or Emma Stone or Jamie Foxx or Dane Dehan. They're all great actors. But this movie is horribly written. And so much is shoved into it that it's impossible to, to feel any of it. It's so weird. Like, people got mad at Spider-Man 3, right? Because there's too much in the movie, which wasn't the same ring as far. I want to point that out right now. Not his fault. Um, the studio was the biggest reason for that. So they, you know, scrapped his plan Spider-Man 4, which if you've ever read, like, his concept for doing, like, a 4, 5, 6 would have been fucking awesome. Actually, his concept for his version of 3 was awesome. Had they just left them the fuck alone. Um, so they scrapped that, right? They rebooted it. And with literally after the first film, the sequel to Amazing Spider-Man, they're like, you guys want us to do what we did last time? And the whole world went, no, no, we don't. We don't want that. That's why we rebooted this. They're like, no, don't worry. We got it this time. Well, and then we watched it. And for me, I was like, this is worse. Like, you, you did it worse than they did the first time. Well, as we've seen with No Way Home, the amount of villains in the story is not the problem. What doesn't work is balance. Like you need, you know, you need a a reason for them all to be here. They all have to be well-written and the stakes have to matter. Electro is a weird dorky loner with a Spider-Man obsession. Why? I don't know. Green Goblin is his best friend. He's never mentioned. (laughs) And we get like one scene of them hanging out. And then he shows up at the end to just like, well, it's time to kill Gwen Stacy. We're almost out of movie. <laughs> like, there's no, 
point for him to be here. Uh, and then Rhino is the a fucking time's joke. coming up, guys. We gotta hurry this up. Yeah, she up. Oh, she's in the costume. Oh, we, we got we got a half hour. We gotta do this. We gotta get this now. Oh my god, Rhino is a joke. I mean, ridiculous. Just some you know stupid Russian gangster in a big mech suit. Are you kidding me? And then Gwen's death is handled so poorly. I don't feel it. I don't feel the emotional stakes of it. It doesn't. I mean, I honestly, No Way Home made me feel more for it than the, the actual movie yeah, where it happened. But I think in both cases, I feel it because of Andrew Garfield's performance. I feel like even in Mace Spider-Man 2, his performance matched this, the moment. And I felt it, it from him. I just didn't feel it from anything else in the movie. I hate the way they manage uh, Norman Osborn. You know, Chris Cooper's brief cameo with some like Osborn illness that makes him look kind of goblin-like. Yeah, and then he dies and he's done with. And I'm like, what was the point? Like, what was the fucking point? The um, the whole mystery surrounding his parents that never got any fucking resolution. I never liked that no. storyline anyway. I, that was a weird thing to do with that. I never, I never liked that. Um, and then there's the whole like the random inclusion of Black Cat, but she's not Black Cat yet. Yeah, that and Smythe, the guy who makes the Spider Slayers, he's shoehorned into this thing. Like, there's so much teases for the fu- so many teases for the future that they completely forgot to work on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So number number eight is Spider-Man three, two thousand seven. Uh, I hated this movie the first time I saw it. This was the first time I was truly disappointed by a movie. I, I saw it at the theaters. I was waiting for this. There was a three year gap between two and three, so it was a while. Patience for this was like high because of Spider-Man two. Yeah, and we were. I was like, what? Venom? Oh my god! Like I had a, the Spider-Man PlayStation one game, and you know, I I loved Venom was like my favorite character. So I was like, holy shit, I'm going to see Venom. Well, I was a kid, so I was like, holy cow, I'm going to see Venom. And uh, then the movie happened, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Oh, Harry's the Green Goblin now. Oh, my God. Oh, blow to the head. Okay. Um, No more Goblin. Oh, Sandman's cool. I like him. He's consistently good. Okay. And then I'm like, Eddie Brock is the foreman? Really? (laughs) I watched that 70s show as a kid, and I'm like, really? Yeah, even I was like, I don't think I would have picked Eric Foreman for Green Goblin. Venom. Or Venom, whatever. Either way. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have picked him for Green Goblin either. Thank God. I was like, now that I think about it, I want to pick him for both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Peter got the black suit. And I'm like, well, first I was like, MJ's really not a good character in this movie. Even as a kid, I'm like, she's not the same bubbly, supportive character she's been for the first two movies. What's happening here? Yeah, um, but again, a lot of this was because like the studio, for whatever reason, stepped in. Even though first two were huge successes, it wasn't like they flopped; they were huge successes. And then suddenly, Sam Raimi do his thing. They were like, I know, like the studio's adamant he had Venom in it, and he didn't want Venom. I think he was going to make it like a Sandman movie, like that was who he wanted. Yeah, he was going to have Harry's Goblin be there because he laid the groundwork for that, and then it was going to be Sandman. He wanted, he didn't like Venom. He wanted to stick to the traditional, like, 60s original, classic characters. Venom got introduced in the 80s, and while he was really popular, he wasn't part of, you know, Sam Raimi's era, so he didn't want to do him. Yeah, and so, like, there was a whole different plan that I think would have worked way better for Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Um, and especially if he's, like, like I said, he was wanting to, like, build off what was already built, right? Um but the Sue was like stepped in and was like, no, we want this. No, we want you to do this. And he had to add all this shit. 
And it's actually, I want to say, like, Sam Raimi got so pissed off that by the time he got done filming the movie, he's, we see, we've seen it play out. He stayed away from superhero films for the longest fucking time. Like, he did Dragon Man Hell, he went back to horror, and then he produced a lot of stuff, you know, like Ash vs. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2013. Kind of went back to other shit that he knew he wouldn't get fucked with as much and be left alone in what he enjoyed doing. And then it wasn't until recently that I'm sure Kevin Feige had to fucking sweet talk him about coming back to do Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Well, the uh, the whole, like, the way the symbiote turns Peter into just, like, a douche is a terrible choice. You know, the hair, the hairstyle, the Here's striking the down the sidewalk to James Brown. It's, ugh. Um, like, it's bad, but I'm not going to lie. I fucking laugh every time I watch that. <laughs> I know that's not the intention, but I do. I've warmed up to it. I've... Like the moment in the in the jazz club where he hits MJ and has the moment of like, what have I become? I, I do like that. And even in her eyes, she's like, this isn't right. He's not. This isn't Peter. Like you can see it in her eyes, like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And then, to, you know, Topher Grace becoming Venom. I it, I don't care for it. The Venom design is kind of shitty. He's constantly pulling the, the, the face back. So Topher Grace gets more screen time, which was stupid. However. What sets what makes this what gives this uh, an edge over the Amazing Spider-Man two for me is the final battle where Spider-Man and the Green Goblin fight Venom and Sandman. That was fucking epic, and uh, really felt the stakes. the The way they use sound to kill Venom, like it just was. It was cool. I would say I agree with you. With what sets apart for me is yes, the final battle, but also to me, it's a less. Me- messy film storytelling rise it's a more put it's a better put together more coherent film that's than the Spider-Man 2 is that's true because even with all the shit the series like putting on Raven to put in you could tell he was also kind of fine about being like well I'm still going to make sure this story is told and that at least at the very least makes sense well I also just love the Peter Parker Harry Osborne arc from one to three the whole story of those two characters is great and it comes full circle with you know Harry sacrificing himself for his best friend. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. So he did uh, keep what he wanted and just globbed on the studio shit to make them happy. Yeah. He, he died in Peter's arms after he tried to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. I also hated how this movie butchered the character of Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Which was weird. Cause like she kind of pops up in this movie. And you're like, Oh shit. It's Gwen Stacy. I think it was played by Bryce Dallas Howard. If I'm correct. Yep. Um, but then, like, they kind of just like I, I think that was like, but again, I got the feeling that Sam Raimi kind of like Venom, he didn't really want to have her in the movie, and that may have been a studio thing. Bruce Campbell's cameo as the Major D also gives us this movie major points. It does, yeah. but you know, did you hear what he was supposed to be? Who yeah. he was supposed to be? He was fucking Mysterio the whole time. He's trying out odd jobs. Brilliant. That would have been so fucking awesome if, like, when Spider-Man 4 came out and they've made that reveal that he was Mysterio. They were going to have, I think, Malkovich was going to play the Vulture. Uh, and Hathaway was going to play Black Cat. Like, they had a, he had plans. Yeah. He had plans. With that said, I am looking forward to the hopeful cameo of Bruce Campbell in Doctor Strange 2. Oh, it's not hopeful. He's in there. <laughs> so, the, the question is, who is he playing? Um, all right. So, number... Number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man, 2012. 
not a bad movie. Uh, pretty much we're, everything going forward is good. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man just, it's good, but it's bland compared to the Raimi films. Peter doesn't have, you know, the support system of like Harry Osborn and there's no Jameson. And like, he just kind of hits the highlights of Spider-Man. You know, you got Uncle Ben, Aunt May, Uncle Ben gets killed, Spider-Bite. Like, it's, it's, it's like a retread of the greatest hits. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's to me, it's like, it, to me, this is a fine film. So I would say everything past this is good, but this one's just like, okay for me. It's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Andrew Garfield's good in the movie. And I do like the scenes when he's swinging and they do like that first person view of him swinging. I think that's actually really like inventive and cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you, they take away a lot of the other characters we love in this franchise. They tack on the whole like, what were his parents actually doing mystery that I didn't care for to begin with. And as we said, it doesn't get really a satisfying conclusion at all in the second movie. Because yeah. I felt like they wanted to do, answer it fully in three. That never happened. But uh, that gets tacked on, um, and then yeah, it, and then this film takes a really dark turn. Like this has a dark, dark tone, which kind of annoyed me. So I'm like, Spider-Man's not meant to be dark. And I know we were just talking about like No Way Home has moments when it gets dark, but it's so overall very light film. This yeah. film is just dark tone throughout. I I never liked the design of the lizard. I thought like the snout should traditionally in the, the comics lizards got like a lab coat. It's all shredded to remind you he's human. He's got like, it looks more like an alligator. Mm. And I was hoping for that lizard. This lizard looks like an iguana. And I just, I think he looks goofy. Uh, plus the character was, you know, turned crazy a little too quickly. Uh, I don't just, it's a, it's a good watch. It's just, it, there's so much, there's, so many better ones to watch. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'll watch them too, but I'm not rushing to see this one. And like I said, none of this. I'm not putting any fun on, Gar- on Garfield because, like we said, what his performance in No Way Home, his performance in these films is awesome. He just, he, I just, he, he got saddled with not great films. Thank, yep. thank God, No Way Home gave him like resolution and to in my eyes redemption he was in a good spider-man film thank fucking god <laughs> yeah uh number six spider-man far from home 2019 tom holland's second effort not a bad film at all i love this movie i love everything going forward uh it's just hard to kind of place the rest of these in order <laughs> from worst to best this one just um i like i like homecoming a little bit more uh I think Jake Gyllenhaal is great as Mysterio. I love the misdirection of like an elemental, you know, warrior from another dimension fighting like, uh, you know, Avengers level threats and all that's bullshit. It's just Quentin Beck being an, an, an illusionist asshole in the, like he is in the comics. I love the way they build that up. Uh, the uh, Mysterio segments when he's fighting Spider-Man are fucking awesome. The illusions. Oh yes. God, those were cool. Yeah. <laughs> those were neat. Um, I honestly, I don't have any gripes with this one. I really like this movie. It's just the rest going forward. It's all praise for me. Yeah, it's, it was hard for, it was because I was like, thinking, I was like, do I want to put homecoming for, for home or because me, they're almost like equal and how good they are. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I like Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. 
but I fucking love Keaton's vulture. And I, I think, think that's, that's what pushes it over. Yeah. I think that, and I think this one kind of takes a bit to start for yeah. a moment. It does take a, take a bit to start, but I mean, like, like you said, it's still a really good movie. Like I really love this movie. It was a lot of great, great humorous moments throughout. Like when he accidentally unleashes the throne, hmm. <laughs> he has to stop it. I think it also it feels more like an epilogue to Endgame than it does a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's definitely yeah because it's definitely dealing with like the blowout of what happened with Stark and you know their relationship. Um, also, yeah, it it's good. Um, also, it does have a, it might it might be a smelly movie because we know Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't like the shower, so there might have been a stench in the air. I read season. about recently another celebrity who doesn't shower, and I don't remember who it was. I meant to write it down, and I was like, "Oh, really? Dare you I'll find out. I'll, fi- I'll find yeah. out later." Yeah, no, this is good. And then also, this film now, as we were probably going to see play out, I think next year the show comes out, has a real great tie-in to um, an upcoming MCU show. Um, uh, which also led to a great moment in No Way Home when he mentioned, which I love that they put in there when he was like, Nick Fury can tell you, Nick Fury's been off planet for a year and you can see Peter Parker's face like, no, wait, who the fuck was I talking to? <laughs> I'm super psyched about Secret Invasion. The more I keep hearing about that, the more I'm like, this is going to have implications. <laughs> Who's a scroll? Who, who is it? Um, number five, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, the most recent Oscar Sunday episode, the only animated film here uh, thus far, and a truly cool adventure that does something outside the box. Uh, this is a neat movie. If you haven't seen this, check it out. Actually, if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen No Way Home yet, I'm going to say right now because of the plot of this of Into the Spider-Verse, perfect double feature, like, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I remember watching this film and being just blown away by it. Like from the the animation style that they chose chose to then incorporating different animation styles for the different Spider Man that get pulled into the to yeah. which ones they picked like they really didn't just pick like stand they went out of the box for a lot of the choices they made in the Spider Man like catalog which I yeah. really liked yeah and we're just gonna get more of that in the uh, the two sequels that are coming out over the next couple of years yeah and Nicholas Cage voiced one of the Spider Man so. Fuck yes. We don't um, pick the ballroom. We just dance. <laughs> Pure cage. Yeah. Wonderful. And, uh, I love John Mulaney's Spider Ham. Like I've always thought that character was stupid, but the inclusion here made me like made me like that character. Yeah, he was really funny. I like I like the part where they're having to hide up on the fucking ceiling when the roommate comes in. <laughs> Do animals talk here? Because I don't want to freak him out. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a new. <laughs> Spider-Verse is really cool. Uh, definitely a lot of people's favorite Spider-Man movie, and that's totally cool. It's the uh, only Miles Morales thing we've gotten so far, not counting the video game. Which that was uh, a really good expansion game. I played that game. I um, played that game. It was great. It was good. I was about, I was actually about to say that for all those that have been dying to get Miles Morales, like it may not be live action, but you get it here. Like it's you do get your Miles Morales movie here, and it's not a second rate effort. It's a really fucking good movie. It won the Oscar for Best Animated Film, if that matters to anybody. I mean, at least two people on the team could care less. But I said anybody, not just on the team, but our vast array of listeners, I choose to believe we have. 
number four, Spider-Man Homecoming. Tom Holland's first solo venture following his first appearance in Captain America Civil War, which I still I still smile at every time, you know, fucking Queens comes up every time I watch Civil War. I get like pumped. Um, this was cool. This was, you know, our the first Spider-Man who actually felt and looked like a high school kid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just seeing him kind of deal with, you know, high school kid problems while also trying to impress the Avengers and deal with the fact that his girlfriend's dad is a supervillain. Uh, and Michael Keaton coming back to comic book movies, that was awesome. Who, you know, killing it as the vulture. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got a lot of love for this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll give the edge out to this one over Far From Home because, like, I like, like you said, I like the fact that he felt, actually felt like a high school. As much as I love Tony Gar, like, it was obvious the man was in his 30s. Dude, look at fucking Joe Manganiello as Flash Thompson. Dude's like 40. Oh, God. Wait, Joe, <laughs> the guy who's like with fucking Swiffier Fergara, that guy? He played yeah, he's Flash. Want to be Deathstroke from the Snyder movies? That's yeah. yeah. That's Flash. Shit, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't want to fight me different. neither, that guy. God, he looks way different now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I like how he, he looks like a high school. He feels like a high school. And I like that the movie balances him dealing with high school problems. Like, what we love about he's dealing with high school problems or dealing, like I said, but trying to impress the Avengers, which brought up another thing I love, which is the relationship you see between him and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. I love their interplay, their, like, relationship in the movie. I, one of my favorite moments is when he takes that suit away from him. He's like, if you can't, if you rely on the suit or whatever, then you can't. Do it like if, yeah, you're, that's if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. That's there what we says. go. Yeah, like I really love that scene. It's a really and then it's like God, I'm sounding like my dad. Like it's a really good moment between the two of them. And then, like you said, while I really like Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, uh, Michael Caine's Vulture was threatening. Like it, like he, like for someone who usually plays a good guy, and we always love his characters, right? He fucking brought it. I that scene when he takes them to prom and he lets his daughter out and then he talks to him and pretty much tells him like, I know you're Spider-Man. It's like, I I love that he fucking figures it out. Like there's no big reveal. There's no like, Oh, it's him over the course of that car ride. He figures it out immediately. I I love that. He's, he's, he's smart. You know, good thing your old pal Spider-Man was there just like looking at him in the rear view, like, and then just does she know that's, that's all he says. Like, God, how great. I love that he gives him a chance. Like, you know, you saved my daughter. I couldn't forget something like that. So this is your one and only opportunity to back off. <laughs> Jesus, I get chills just thinking about it. Like, he, he was so good. Uh, I love the moment when, um, at the, towards the beginning, when I think it, first segue, John Favreau being a complete dick the whole time always makes me laugh. And oh, him making a dick made me laugh. And like the beginning, seeing the 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 first time seeing the relationship between Peter Parker and Ned, he's just yeah. I'm the sure guy. I like I'm the uh, <laughs> when um Tony like tells Peter like you know you can keep the suit like you know protect the neighborhood do your thing and then he leans he goes to open the door and Peter thinks it's a hug and he's like oh I'm not hugging you it's just I'm opening the door we're not there yet. <laughs> and then that, we get payoff of that later on in Endgame when they bring Peter back and Tony's so happy to see him. He gives him a big hug. 
that that always made me, you know, just my heart grew three sizes that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, that's just like, and that's an overall beauty of the MCU. And again, you know, fuck those directors that want to fucking down superhero films. Like the beauty of the MCU is in the writing right there. When they, like they pay attention, they look at that moment in Homecoming and in Endgame, they fucking pay it off. You know, it's like, you don't think about it in the moment, but then when you go back, you're like, holy shit. Like, that kind of attention to detail is just so, like, again, being on our little segue here, like, just a great overall thing I love about the MCU in general is, like, how fucking detail-oriented they are with their writing. When I was a kid, if you would have told me that one day I would see on the big screen Spider-Man riding Thor's hammer through the sky while clutching an Infinity Gauntlet trying to get it away from Thanos and then hopping on the back of a Pegasus Flew, being flown by Valkyrie and then giving those stones to Captain Marvel, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, all the while making those awesome clips and just being a kid that's just like, oh my god. And now that isn't even the most exciting thing we've seen in the MCU. <laughs> god, oh, that's speaking of clips. I also I forgot to say another thing with the writing when um Andrew Garfield and Spider-Man Away Home was having like that moment of freaking out in the battle. I think it was Tom Holland was like. You're amazing. Say it. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, to- that was Toby. Yeah, he's like, you're amazing. Oh, yeah. You're amazing. He's like, I don't feel amazing. <laughs> he's just—he's so insecure. <laughs> yeah, just really hammering home the title of his movies. I'm like, fuck yes, they found a way to do it. Beautiful. Uh, number three, Spider-Man Two, 2004. Spidey versus Doc Ock. The power of the sun the palm of my hand which i love that so back when i got his hands on the arc reactor that was cool mm-hmm. much safer way to have the sun in your hand octavius anyway uh this one's great uh two, one and two of the Raimi trilogy are on pretty even ground for me um it's hard to kind of pick a favorite there i love how this one balances peter's really fucked up social life and his spider-man life and how he's having trouble kind of choosing who he wants to be he sees mj with another man and he's like that could be me on at, you know, if I, all I have to do is give up being a hero, but I can't do that. It's satisfying. It's, you know, it's, it's great. It's a great arc. And Molina as Doc Ock was brilliant casting. Great outside the box. I love that on all three films, Raimi went character actor on the villains. And I love that. Yeah, because they, they can they commit the most, in my opinion. Like they're so game for it and bringing a lot, a lot more to it. Um, I'm not going to lie. This one was kind of hard for me to accept in three because like I, I i personally feel like spider-man 2 takes what one does and perfects it but at the same time i'm okay with this because it's like one and two i'm are damn near on equal footing like it's it's really hard I, they're just two great fucking films honestly um yeah. like i said melina as doc Ock is fucking great i love how they continue uh, the journey of Peter's personal life and where he's at, and like, yeah, you could argue that like they beat him fucking down this movie, but again, that's what we like Spider-Man. Like, it's his perseverance, it's his, and along with his selflessness, I mentioned earlier, it's his perseverance, his ability to rise when he, even he's at his wor- at his worst. And you see yeah. that in this movie, he's being out so much yet he still continues to be that hero because he's that he's just that kind of guy, and it's really satisfying to see that like play out in this movie. True. I think the biggest question this movie has, for me anyway, is 
why would you order from a pizza place that's 29 minutes away? New York is full of pizza places. Why would you order one specifically from a place that you know is not going to deliver on time? Is this your, your, your ploy to get free pizza? Isn't it? Oh, it absolutely Horrible is. people. Yeah. <laughs> that always bugs me. Like, there's yeah. millions of pizza places in New York City. <laughs> also, this one had the famous scene where he like stops the train, which is a fucking awesome sequence. That's maybe the most heroic thing Peter Parker's ever done is stopping that train. Uh, you know, at the cost of his own, out of his secret identity. Like, it doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, I do. I mentioned this in our filmgasm on Spider-Man, but I love that the first guy to confront Ock in the crowd is Joey Coco Diaz. That always makes me laugh. Um, yeah, you, gotta get to him, you gotta get to me. <laughs> Forget about it. Uh, number two, OG, 2002 Spider-Man. Um, just the one that started it all. You know, an epic performance from Defoe at the Green Goblin. Uh, a believable arc of you know Peter and MJ's relationship evolving from friendship to romance. It makes sense. Uh, the real, you know, the consequences of Peter's actions. Fucking Randy Savage is Bonesaw McGraw. Yeah, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's it's a great movie. I yeah, this is one of my favorites. Hey, freak show! You're going nowhere. <laughs> fucking love Randy Savage. That man was insane. <laughs> yeah, because he was always fucking coked out. Coke and roids. That's all he consumed for his man entire career. Know. Man didn't know how to act like a human being. Well, he was the cream of the crop. When you're that, you don't have to act like a human being. <laughs> oh my god. No, anyway, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, you know, like I'll, 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 I'll take this. It, I get it because this, like you said, this is what started. Without this film, we would not be where we're at now. We wouldn't be at Spider-Man No Way Home. The success of this movie. Home brought superhero movies back and into the mainstream and made and gave them respect show that they were marketable they were profitable and from that we got so much mm-hmm. and um this one does i would say even more so too probably has a special place in my heart because you know like as i've gotten older you know i'm, I'm sure you feel so many of those films you've watched that just like really take you back to your childhood when you first watch it and yeah. this is that film for me you know i'll you know anytime i watch the first spider-man film especially I go back to being eight, nine years old watching it for the first time and just that excitement and just really falling in love with this character to the, you know, the point how I, you know, obviously you felt my, heard my emotional same on the way home and like how I could feel like that now as a 29 year old, you know, adult, like it all started with this film and like my joy of watching it and the magic of this film. And yeah, I mean, William Dafoe is fucking great as Osborne. He's terrifying. He's creepy, and he's just so much fun to watch. You know, I know you guys have seen a lot of his lines, and he has some truly great lines in this movie. Um, and J. Jones Jameson, um, J.K. Simmons, man, I mean, fucking crushes it in the role. Like, yeah, this film started it all, and it's so fucking good, and it holds up. I don't care what anyone fucking says. I know there's a lot of people like. We know that Tom Holland, fuck you. All right, these films still hold up. At least the first two Tony McGraw Spider-Man films. Even three, I've got a soft spot for now. I've I've warmed up to it, you know. I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, for me, the the triple whammy of Brian Singer's X-Men, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and then Brian Singer's X2 all kind of happened within the same, like within a span of three years for me as a kid. 
and really just made superhero movies like my jam. And I never looked back. So mm-hmm. I, I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, this movie's great. And you know what? I'll say it. I know Josh is going to give me shit when he listens to something. I don't give a fuck. Chad Kroger kills it with that song. I'll say it. We said it. Yeah, Hero's a fucking jam. I Yeah, yeah. we went all out on that in the, in the podcast. I don't that that song was a I fucking I can change that song. That song is still on my iPod. Oh yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit that shit. Yeah, it's on my phone. Hero will save us. I'm not gonna. All right, I'm gonna confession. Confession time. So you remember those superhero books I wrote in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock Salt, which I I have so much regrets over that. Anyway, have a copy actually. That's awesome. I'm going to, I would advise you to burn that. Um, keeping it. That fucking song was playing through most of that, through most of my writing with those books. All six of those, that was the main jam I had going on. That thing yeah. is the ultimate superhero movie track. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Oh, yeah. I, dude, I used to literally just like stay to the credits of that movie, just hear that song, and then I turn it off. Like, all right, now I'm good. <laughs> it just, it just hits like, and I can still relate. I remember anytime I see the a hero can save us, not gonna stand here. Like I'm so high, I can hear heaven. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I'm taking right us, back. Watching us, watching us. Beautiful song. Oh my god! <laughs> like you once said, that song fucks. <laughs> and you know that's a. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's a stone cold fact. I'll fight anyone on that. <laughs> and then, of course, number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. How, how, what else could it be? That thing has changed the trajectory of superhero movies. Anything goes now. Bring it on. So, yeah. Like, yeah. If you want yeah. to hear our thoughts on that, rewind. Yeah, I'm not going to go. But yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home, number one, man. Like I said, I for a long time thought nothing could beat two. I was wrong. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, man, like, thank you, Marvel, for No Way Home. Thank you so much for the fact that you were really trying to make us happy and making me feel like a kid again on my birthday, no less. So thank you for that big time. Um, also, I want to th- say just real quick, thank you for keeping the secret. I can't, I mean, there were so many leaks, but there was so much coming out that like, I couldn't differentiate like what's real, what's not. Even the, like the fucking footage that got leaked from the set. Even I was like, this, this might be fake. I don't know. <laughs> the way they did that, the shit storm, like they controlled the shit storm. And that was very smart. Even Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire lying their asses off for like years. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. Yeah. Tom Holland, especially. I don't know how he did it. That guy can't keep a secret <laughs> to save his life. So I don't know how they did that. Um, no, yeah, well done. Um, like I said, I I so wish Stan Lee could fucking see this film. Really, really do. But bravo, Marvel, for just in general knowing how to do fan service and for really, to me, not letting comments by snobbish directors get in the way of making a good fucking movie and giving audiences what they fucking want. Yeah. Like, you know, if I wanted to watch a director fillet himself, I can go to a different website. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this, was a, this was a really fun episode. If you like what we do, 
You can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Check out the website, filmgasm.com. We got reviews. We got trailers. We got every episode of the show. We got articles. I've yet to review Spider-Man No Way Home because I want to give a good two-week buffer before I even write up the cast list because <laughs> I can't yeah. even do that without spoiling this motherfucker. Yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing it again Wednesday anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, if you want to, support, yeah, I'm probably going to go again too. Um, if you want to support us uh, financially, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider and uh, donate whatever you'd like to donate to us. We appreciate any and all uh, donations, but not necessary. We hope you enjoyed the show. And before we tell you what happens next week, above all, just remember that a hero can save us as long as you stand there and wait. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. They're watching us. Watching us. Watching us. Watching us. (laughs) I hope we don't get a copyright strike for all these fucking lyrics. Right. Chad Kroger's going to get real pissy. (laughs) Nickelback is somehow a super successful man. I think Austin called him a douche in the Spider-Man episode on Filmgasm. So, yeah, he might take take issue. We'll be fine. We'll survive. We'll survive a Chad Kroger attack. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, we'll next week. A song hmm? about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Next week is our last sneak preview of the year. 52 straight weeks of the sneak preview. We did it. It's been a crazy year for films. Uh, crazy year for us. We've often talked about how this year we had double duty. Thanks to the many 2020 delayed films that came out alongside the initial 2021 releases. Uh, hopefully next year is a little bit lighter. We've already started changing the show's format to accommodate us a little bit more. Uh, more of that next year. Um, but next week, we're ending the year with a host of potentially great movies to discuss. We've got Don't Look Up on Netflix, Being the Ricardos on Prime Video, The King's Man in theaters, and The Matrix Resurrections in theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, Going to be a good end for the year, and we'll start 2022 with our top 10 films of 2021. So that's what we've got on the docket for the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, yeah. And there's definitely two superhero films already making my top 10 list. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I've seen a shit ton of bad movies this year. I got to kind of sift through the shit and find some gold. Uh, yeah. I know. I can tell you, obviously, this movie is the Suicide Squad are definitely making my list. So. I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch some stuff, kind of get back in the mindset and think like, did I love this as much as I did? Like, do I still love it? So we'll see. My list is going to be interesting, I think. Um, I wonder if anything from next week will end up on there. I know Don't Look Up has been getting kind of mixed reviews. Being the Ricardos is getting decent reviews. The, the King's Man is getting eviscerated, but I don't fucking yeah. care. I've been waiting for this for three years. <laughs> yeah, I think, I've think heard from Opera they take a much more serious tone this many, which I'm kind of worried about. That's not the vibe I got from the trailers at all. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, but the trailers make it seem fun. Am I being misled in the trailers here? Because I'm going to be pissed when I see the movie. A fucking TV spot used Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap by ACDC. That does not scream serious tone. That screams can't be fun like the first two movies. So I'm going yeah, in we, with we, a... You know. I was like, we know how A24 likes marketed films. Like, come on. This isn't A24, though. This is, what, Warner Brothers? Marv? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, I think Marv. That's Matthew Vaughn's production company. Anyway, and then The Matrix is uh, so far getting pretty decent reviews. People are saying it's pretty exciting, so... Yeah, I'm actually I'm, surprised. I've been seeing early good things. I'm like, 
I'm still yeah. only watching it on HBO Max, but I'm actually kind of surprised by what I've seen. I'm already too deep on my rewatch. I'm going to watch Revolutions probably tonight, maybe tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to go see this Wednesday. I'm excited. Uh, don't miss uh, the 1980s cult classic Silent Night, Deadly Night on Wednesday's Filmgasm and Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies.